Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast here. We have a lot to get into this week. We are, we've crowned champions in men's and women's college basketball. Baseball is right around the corner. Very excited to, uh, to talk about it all. Of course, we have the Masters this weekend as well. Who better to talk about it all with than my good friend and co-host of this podcast from KORN Radio, sports director there in Mitchell at the local radio station. It's Travis Krenz. Travis, how we doing? We're good. Good. We are... College basketball is done. We are hours away from the baseball season, so so I like that. And you are in three fantasy leagues, is that correct? Are you done with all of yes. your drafts? I had one a week ago. I had one on Sunday, and then I had one. When we get done with you talking, I'll have one in an hour. All right. All right. David Chat and Kirk League are all a little bit different, so... Yeah, I got fantasy baseball drafts, so that's been it's been fun. One of them, you get a jersey if you are the winner, correct? A jersey of any kind? Yes. That was the one that Dustin Brink got me into seven, eight years ago. It's been a while now. So, yeah, that's the one. I won the basketball version, which I really don't give a shit about. Mm-hmm. And I really care about the... He had the baseball version, and he had the best team last year and lost in the first round of the playoffs. So, yeah, it's um, it keeps me busy during the summer. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll we'll get to all of that here, and hopefully, you can you have success in your uh, fantasy leagues this year. But let's begin with college basketball here. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks take down. The North Carolina Tar Heels, 72-69 to in the national championship game. Kansas was down by 15 at that break. It's the largest comeback win in a national championship game in college basketball history. Uh, so that was rather impressive. Uh, it, night and day difference in terms of the teams, that, that the, the team that came out on the court for Kansas. Uh, the first half was bad. The second half looked like what Kansas had looked like. You know, in the in the semifinal game against Villanova, in the second half of their game of their Elite Eight game against Miami, they ran a lot. They played very good defense. Uh, Ryan Brown made his shot, or Christian Brown, excuse me, made his shots. Uh, Remy Martin made a couple of big threes, and their defense really stifled uh, North Carolina. And that's like they made up a 15 point deficit in less than 10 minutes. I mean, that, that's very impressive to see what Kansas did there in that second half Monday night. Yeah, Kansas. I really don't like Kansas. At least it wasn't Duke. Yeah. So, at least it wasn't Duke. So Carolina, I was rooting for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, they pretty bad. So came close. But this feels like a winner that I will immediately forget, as I usually do. Mm-hmm. And two years from now, I'll think, who won it that year? Maybe I'll remember because it was North Carolina losing. But Kansas, yeah, they, I mean, they were good. It's like they were just you know, so inconsistent in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They were really good and they were really bad. It was, it was like there was no in-between. Right. It was like they were, they were killing it against Miami in the second half. Or they were the first half against North Carolina down by 15 after being up 7 nothing. Yeah. Like, there's no consistency there. Either we're the best team in the country or we're not very good. So 
And we had questions about them coming into the NCAA tournament. Like, okay, this is... Come on, Kansas. If there's ever a year to do it, this is the year. I mean, it was a very... They had the easiest path to the Final Four out of any of the number one seats. We agreed on that at the outset here. It was just a matter of, okay, are they actually going to do it? Or are they going to stub their toe uh, on, you know, somewhere along the way? And they almost did, but they didn't. But I think the the biggest thing... And, and UNC's run is incredible as an eight seed i mean it, it, they're still a blue blood so it's not like it's a true cinderella story but you know for them to get by baylor and then beat ucla uh big but the biggest win of all came saturday night when unc took down duke in the first ever meeting between the two rivals in the ncaa tournament they won 81 to 77 it was a great game back and forth there were close to 20 lead changes and I said it at the time, and I've you know had a you know what 48, 72 hours now to to soak or let it soak and marinate a little bit. That I all that I think it could top Gonzaga and UCLA from last year. I am just it and Charlie and you made some very good points about maybe it was just everything else, all the storylines, the rivalry, and everything leading up to it. Coach K's last season and. And whatnot. It's just the back and forth nature of this game. It's very rare that a game with so much hype lives up to it and, in fact, exceeds it. And that's what this game did. Like, we were anticipating maybe a good UCLA Gonzaga game, but remember, UCLA was an 11 seed and Gonzaga was a 1 seed. And then, you know, they, they played a thrilling game, but there wasn't nearly as much hype and everything uh, regarding that game. I think that's what ultimately has to factor into why this UNC-Duke game should be considered among the best games we've ever seen here, at least recently, in college basketball. It was a good game. It was close and all that. It was better than, better than you, you could hope for, and we hoped it would be very good. So, yeah. But the UCLA era, that ucla Gonzaga game last year was... That was an all-timer. Yeah. Yep. It was 93-90 in overtime. Yep. You had Gonzaga, who was undefeated. They were the big favorites. Yep. You had UCLA is an 11 seed, as you said. Uh, offensively, I think UCLA shot 57%, and Gonzaga shot 58%. That's pretty damn good. Game, which is, you know, compared to... North Carolina shooting 31% last night. Just awful. And with Jalen Suggs, man, it was like a half-court shot he made to win it. That's true. Yep. It, it was that. I think people forget, oh, yeah, he made like a 30, 40-foot shot mm-hmm. to win it. And it was it was tied. So if he doesn't make that shot, we go into a second overtime. And it's, it's even crazier. But that was – I'll remember watching that game. That was – the best. I don't even know what I would put it at second among Final Fours or yep. championship type games. I mean, this Duke Carolina game was great because it was Coach Hayes last, and I hate Duke. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they're like, "Yeah, they're gonna fucking win. Duke's gonna win, like they always do." But then when Carolina was just so good at the end, um, they missed they, they missed some free throws, but like it, when they needed them. To maintain like a three, four point lead, they made them all. Yes. In the final, final twenty, thirty seconds, and um, 
it was Caleb Love that made that three. It's like he didn't need a three, but he took a long three. Mm-hmm. As terrible as he was against Kansas, he was great most of the tournament, and he was great against Duke. Yep. And a big-time shot. And just, I mean, like I said last week, like, you can win another national title. You can never re- repeat that game against Duke. It's his last. There'll never be another one like that. Mm-hmm. So. I, you know what? You've, you've convinced me. Yeah, Gonzaga-UCLA, better game. Uh, but this is really, I think it's really close. Yeah, just with all the lead changes back and forth. You mentioned Caleb Love. I mean, he had 22 of his 28 points in that second half. He was great. I really thought UNC kind of, I don't know what they were thinking in the first half after Mark Williams and uh, Theo John picked up all those fouls and they they've just stopped going inside to Baycott and like why why would you stop doing that why would you take all these jump shots you got like the basketball IQ sometimes in in college basketball is baffling to me like it just it wasn't a good game plan there they should have taken advantage and gone inside and tried to draw more fouls but they ended up uh, being down by only three at the half, and then Duke gets out to a quick seven-point lead in the second half, only to see UNC uh, respond with a 13-0 run. I mean, and then it was just back and forth. It was just an incredible game. Again, it's UNC-Duke. It's the biggest rivalry in sports, or certainly ranking up there in the top two or three. Coach K's final season. Like You just couldn't ask for much more from what a, a, a collegiate basketball game in the NCAA tournament, let alone the Final Four. Yeah, it was good. It was very good, very memorable. Um, and for North Carolina, it made me it, – it, it ignited my fandom for North Carolina again. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if any of these guys are coming back or not or what the deal is going to be. If they do, but, watch out for UNC next year. That's yeah. Final Four caliber team again. I mean, they, they 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 didn't have a bench at all. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know about it. But they had what Puff Johnson come out, yes, uh, and and puke all over the floor. And he, he had a going eleven points. He had a great uh, final four. He but, like, they didn't, he didn't have a bench. Them, he kept them in that game uh, on Monday yes. night. He absolutely did. The the buckets that he made were incredible when they needed it the most. Uh, he was the he was a big time. Uh, Difference maker for UNC there in the second half. And Armando Baycott was, I don't know, maybe their most consistent player. His rebound damage is unbelievable. He had 31 uh, double doubles this year. And double double in every game in the tournament. Nobody's ever done that yep. through six games. And um, and I don't know how these guys will do in the NBA. North Carolina guys usually don't do very well recently in the NBA. But then he had his, his ankle injury, and then I guess you, you see the video last night, like the floor kind of buckled or shifted yes. ever so slightly. Yep, I saw that video this morning, and I was stunned by it. I didn't I didn't see that at all last night. No, it was so slight, and then he, he twisted his ankle on Saturday, and he was right back out there, mm-hmm. and he would have known it, and he wouldn't have known how bad he was hurt. I'm sure he hurts like a son of a bitch here today. Yep. Probably, can't, can't, probably not going to be able to walk for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And like the game changed when he got hurt. It was only like a minute to go, but they went to McCormick, the big guy, at the end there, and that's how they scored their final two points, their final two baskets. Yep. That's how Kansas won the game. And 
North Carolina didn't need a three at the end there. Yeah. Like 20 seconds to go. There's, I mean, you're, you're only down, what, four? Or you were down three. They were down three, yeah. And the big joke on Twitter I've seen this year, this month, is you, you, you can go for two, you don't need a three. You can go for two, and then there's like two seconds left, and you're down seven. You can still get a two. At this point, you, you could have gotten a two. Because mm-hmm. you're only down three, but I don't know, they... Scott's selection was not good in the final couple seconds, and then they got a shot to win it there because the idiot stepped out of bounds, and and it was an air ball anyway. I, so I could not believe like that's the 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 play call that you come up with the the play design out of that you know timeout when they're trying to figure out the clock and everything. Why would you run it so close to the uh, to the court to you know to the sideline there to the end line? Like that doesn't make any sense. At all, so Kansas really, like, royally screwed the pooch on that one, um, and that's I guess where it comes along with like the basketball IQ. I mean, for UNC to just keep chucking up threes there at the end with under twenty seconds left, that that's dumb. You go go in, try and get a two, because I, I bet you that Kansas would have allowed them to do it, and especially given that Kansas was really struggling at the foul line. Why wouldn't you do that and then take your chances with? With Kansas maybe only making one or at most two. I mean, Ochai Abaji was was struggling from the foul line all night long. And then, you know, for Kansas to do what they did, it's just, it's maddening. And then to not foul when you're up by three with four four seconds left, you got to foul. Like, don't give R.J. Davis, or is it R.J. Davis or uh, Caleb Love? Caleb Love. Caleb Love. Yep, okay. Like, don't give him that opportunity, even if he is struggling. Don't give him, don't allow him to potentially tie the game and send it to overtime. Don't do it. Yeah. So it was a disappointing finish. I mean, they shot 31%, and they almost won. So, and they, I mean, Kansas, this is their fourth title. It's only their second in our lifetimes since 88. Yep. Both won by the- Bill Self. They won, they won in what, 57, 88. They won a couple of years ago, and they won this year. Yeah. Like, you know, they're, you know, Kansas basketball. It's like, they only won three of these before last night. And one of them was in 1957. Another one was when I was two months old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, like we say, they usually do not win national titles at a rate that you would think, oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to win one. Yep. And like North Carolina, this was going to be their seventh, and they've really they've been to a lot of them recently. They, they, they lost to Villanova. They they beat they lost, uh, they lost. They lost another one along the way too. It's yep. They've they've won a lot of them here in the past 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hopefully, it, hopefully, I guy who I want to I want to get into North Carolina basketball again. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know all the play. I, I know the big, the big, the big redhead. Yep. Uh, I know Baycott, Davis, uh, Caleb Love. Yep. The other guy, I don't know who he was. Uh, Puff Johnson puked, so I know him. <laughs> and uh, other than that, nobody else played. So, yeah. Well, Brady Manick year. isn't returning. He was a graduate transfer, so he's not coming. So next. Next year it'll be a clean slate, or maybe one or two of these guys come back. So I can say, "All right, I know who these guys are now." Um, Coach K's not not around, so I want to watch more North Carolina. Well, and you know Hubert Davis. You know Hubert Davis can flat out coach. Like that's what we what we saw here 
from from him throughout this tournament. And yeah, it, it'll be I'll be curious to see just how good UNC is next year. I think they can be really good. They're going to get some really good recruits. Uh, Arkansas. Oh, so right now, uh, count me out on Arkansas. Count yeah. me the fuck out. Everybody's on Arkansas. Yep. I don't think goddamn the biggest top five recruits in the country. Uh, no, no on Arkansas. Yeah, I, the three top twenty recruits is tough to <laughs> overlook. I I'm tempted to take them, but I might take a, a pass on them. I really like Creighton next year. I think Creighton's going to be really good. Villanova. At this point. I'm just going to trust Jay Wright and, and anticipate that they're going to have another good, a really good free throw shooting team. Uh, maybe not quite Final Four good next year, but they'll be back in a couple of years. So uh, Memphis, if they aren't banned from the postseason, they could be really good. Uh, but Penny Hardaway doesn't seem to run a tight ship there. So um, that's another team to look out for. UNC will be great. Uh it should be fun. I this was a very enjoyable tournament. Uh, this was an enjoyable college basketball season, and I look forward to it uh, coming back next year. And yeah, it was just a really good final four. And unfortunately, you know, Kansas won, and that cost Marcus and John Kirk some money. It sure did. But hey, my, but uh, congratulations to my stepdad Dwayne. He won it all because of Kansas. Is he the Chiefs fan? No, 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 that's my father-in-law, Todd. Was Chase Fanny been in this? No, he, he was not this year. We'll try and get him in next year. Oh, wow, heavens. And, oh, congratulations to Mark Emmert, too, for being a big, gigantic jackass and calling the Jayhawks uh, the Kansas City Jayhawks. Go to hell. It's hard to get these teams' names right, team like Kansas. It's hard to remember if, from fucking Lawrence, Kansas. If only they were in the NCAA tournament more often instead of like every year for the last 34 years. St. Peter's, I could understand. This guy, no. Like, come on. Come on, uh, Dr. Mark Emmert. That's not very good. It's a, it's a very poor look on you. By the way, Brady Manick, uh, Monday night, getting two elbows to the face or two arms. Like, goodness gracious. And he didn't even get checked for a concussion. I would have. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. So I like, hate, as you know, I hate the city of New Orleans. Yes, you do. It's trash for numerous reasons. It's very humid. It's below sea level, which is ridiculous. Yep. Uh, the flooding, the hurricanes. Um, the people, I can't understand what they're saying. Um, things like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The beignets. The beignets. We hate, we, you love the beignets. Marcus loves the beignets. I do love the Superdome, though. I do like it. Um, kind of like the Astrodome, one of the first big domes. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I like it way more than any of these new stadiums because it looks different. It looks older. It looks, it looks like there's a ton of people there. It's got like two levels. It's bottom level, up level. I like it's. I like the Superdome, so I like when it's always held there. Mm-hmm. So sixty-nine thousand four hundred twenty-three people came to the game. Uh, to the championship on Monday night, and while I'm while I'm on this here, I I really have a problem with with people on on Twitter or just you know uh, complaining about the start time for the game, nine uh, twenty p.m. Eastern. Yes, it's late, uh, but guess what? It's only a two hour. Like, co- college games take two hours, maybe a little longer for the national championship game. Two hours, ten minutes. The NBA finals start at nine p.m. Eastern. Every game except for the games on Sunday night, they start at 8 p.m. And those are routinely two and a half plus 
our games. So those games don't get done until 11.30, almost midnight, on a weeknight. So shut the hell up about a college basketball game starting at 9.20 p.m. Eastern on a Monday night. Just shut the hell up. I mean, it's A, it's, you know, one game. B, this is the same time as it was last night. Oh, the, the start time's getting later. No, it's not. So you, you clearly don't know what the hell you're talking about. And I want all these people to bitch and complain when the NBA finals start in June. So to all of them, to all of Twitter, to all of social media, all these people complaining about the late start time, shut the hell up. Go to hell. Yes. It just, it, it's so stupid. It just tells me they don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's the latest it can be to where I'm okay with it. Because I, I stayed up, I watched it. I got done about, what, 10.45? Yep. I didn't watch the post-game shit. I didn't watch your song and dance at the end. <laughs> One shining moment. Yeah, I still don't get it. I'll never get that. I know. I know. So, now there, there's that. And uh, the final, I mean, the final four, they had the dumb times. So, we're just going through, going through some of these games the last week or last couple days. 7.59 is the tip. Like, it can't be 8 o'clock, and we're going to start at 6.09. It can't fucking be 6.15, 6.10, 6.30, 6 o'clock, 6.05. It's got to be 6 fucking 09. <laughs> 6 07, 6 like, what the fuck are with these times? And how do they come up with these? Oh, but it's 7.47. It's like, every quarter I was there fucking, I don't get it. Summer League Tournament, all right, 12 o'clock and 2.30. 2.30 or... Uh, 12.30 and 3 o'clock. All right, these are uniform times. Mm-hmm. Summer League doesn't start at 12.32. Second game doesn't start at 2.56. So I, I, like, what? I, I don't understand. Probably come with these weird-ass times. I know. But oh, it was hey. a good tournament. Oh, hey, do you want to know what time the national championship game was in Minneapolis when Virginia played Texas Tech? Probably 8.20. Oh, it was 8.20. Oh, my gosh. Oh. It's always, it's always like at 8.20. It's always yeah. like 15 minutes after the hour. It's like yeah. it's no later than it ever is. I mean. Like, for me, like, why? For me, like, I would like it, you know, you, you start your pregame bullshit at 7.30. You tip mm-hmm. off at 8 o'clock. I mean, that'd be great. You're done just after 10. You're done probably 10.30. But, yeah, 8.20, it's an okay time. There's a lot later stuff than that. And it helps that these games aren't that long. Yeah, so. but that and that's my point. You have a two-hour-long college game compared to a two-and-a-half-hour-long NBA game. At minimum, two-and-a-half-hour. Oh, college football, Jesus well, Christ. Well, that game got getting done until after 11, and it starts at 7, 7 yes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It really is. And then you, like, I'm even thinking about NBA playoff games and stuff. You have games starting in, in the central time zone at 845, and those aren't getting done until, after, like, close to 1130. So, 930 for games with the Suns and the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. I got to because I don't care, and they're late. I'm up anyway. But it's just, I, I, I truly don't understand it. So, again, congratulations to Kansas for winning it, and all these people complaining about the, the start times. You need to go back and look. It's it's not that hard to figure out, and it's not going to likely change. It's not going to get any later, but just shut up about all of this. Also, a, a congratulations to South Carolina's women's team, the Gamecocks, 
were able to, I mean, they, they controlled the game against UConn from start to finish Sunday night. They win 64-49. It's Don Staley's second title with South Carolina. So congratulations to them. Aaliyah Boston was great. And this Destiny Henderson um, gal finished with 26 points. It's a season high. She was fantastic throughout the entire game. Uh, when South Carolina needed a big bucket, Destiny Henderson provided. And it was a good crowd there. South Carolina really came out in full force. So, uh, unfortunately for Paige Beckers, wasn't able to get it done in her home state. I don't think that this necessarily signals the end to the UConn era, the UConn dominance. It just more so expands the field of potential teams. And I even looked. I th- there was something on uh, on Twitter, I think, of teams that have won a, a championship on the women's side. There have only been 15 teams. Like, it's it's not that much. It's not that many. So uh, UConn's dominance is not over as a result of this. But it was a very impressive game by South Carolina. I mean, they had 21 offensive rebounds, for crying out loud. 21! And they out-rebounded UConn 49-24. to So congratulations to South Carolina for a great game and um, a great championship. Because they were the dominant team from start to finish. At the beginning of the year, they were number one. They finished number one. They never relinquished it. Very impressive. Playing two falls against USD early in the year. People like that. I was sick of, oh, UConn, we're this underdog. Yeah. Fuck you. You're fucking Connecticut. You're, you're a two seed for one. Oh, God. Uh, you beat North Carolina State. Not a traditional power. Great game. You beat them. Yep. It'll, oh, just uh, only like 30 minutes away from your campus in, in Bridgeport, yeah. Connecticut. I mean, come you on. beat Stanford. They won it last year. Stanford's a good team. They, they were one of those mm-hmm. one seeds. Yep. They beat them. And South Carolina, they just kick the shit out of them. So, you know, good for them. Look like Minneapolis, good site, a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. That was good for, for that interest. Yep. I didn't see any of the championship game, and I saw a little bit of the Connecticut game, I guess, on Saturday or Friday. Friday. Yep. No. And uh, I didn't see the ESPN, the, the alternate broadcast. A lot of, people, a lot of buzz Bird, about that was Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. People liked it. I didn't see it, so I can't comment on a lot of it. But with South Carolina, they say cocks a lot. <laughs> and people seem that that's funny, obviously. Yeah. They all the cocks this and length and whatever the fuck people like to think about dick jokes. <laughs> and I feel okay, whatever. I mean, I just, just replace those two with the Manning brothers and make it an NFL game. And if they were to make a dick joke like that, would people find that funny? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Probably. It seems like it's a double standard of those two can make dick jokes. Well, the, what they call the FCC. Oh, Peyton and Manning are talking about. Yeah, um, did anybody do that? I mean, obviously it was very obvious what they were doing. It wasn't like they unintentionally made a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, whoops, I. They knew what they were doing. Oh, at yes. least when Diana Taurasi was the one that said the things. Yeah. She actually said that intentionally. So, whatever. If people like that stuff, that's fine. Uh, but then let other folks do that as well. Mm-hmm. And not have the problem with it. So. Yep. Uh, but uh, congratulations again to South Carolina for winning it. And congratulations to the South Dakota State 
uh, Jackrabbits for winning the WNIT. They smoked Seton Hall 82-50. to And I watched this entire game. I don't believe that the Jackrabbits were called San Diego State at all once. I did hear one time they said South Dakota. Yes. Uh, I mean... Freudian slip in Not there. Bad. I, I, Not bad. I I think it it was definitely an improvement. The one issue I had with the the telecast at CBS Sports Network does a good job. Like this is not ESPN where they don't give a shit about South Dakota, except Clay Matvick does a very good job now because he's from the area. He knows where South Dakota is. He knows what South Dakota State is. The one issue I had was that they were talking about, oh, look at all the the community support that this run has done for the Jackrabbits. And it's like, eh, I don't think that's entirely accurate. Yes, the crowds got bigger as each game went on, but it didn't, it, it's not like people in Brookings don't support SDSU athletics. This wasn't like the SDSU women's basketball has routinely. It's not like this was a surprise. Oh my right. God, they got five thousand people. They sold out. Right. It's like yeah, that's what happens when they play these games. And it should, and that should be the case with this with postseason basketball. And it, it's nice, you know, they started out with like seventeen hundred, and it kept growing each game as you got closer to the championship. But it's not like SDSU has never experienced great support. They they get support all year round. They get support at the Summit League Tournament in Sioux Falls. They get support at Frost. Yes, maybe the games aren't as you know as packed as what they were for the final two games. And you were there. You were there at least for the UCLA game. Were you there Saturday for the Seton Hall game? I was not. You were not. Okay, but you were part of a, a crowd that was fifty-two hundred and twenty-three. And AJ, uh, Coach Aaron Johnston, came on the mic afterward and said, "Whatever our attendance was, let's beat it by one on Saturday." And they beat it by like thirty-three. So. Oh, uh, and all like three hundred less on Saturday. What's that? I think there was like three hundred less. No, it was it was more. It was more than that. They said. I thought it was like fifty five hundred on Thursday. Um, what they had declared. I know it's. I know that it was more than that by like thirty. Cause, I, uh, I'll pull up the attendance here. Well, um, I thought it was when I was there. I thought it was fifty five hundred something. And then again, see, all like fifty two hundred. I'm like, well, shit, that's three hundred less than it was for the championship game. And then both games were sold out. I tried to get tickets. Tickets sold out uh, for the championship game in ten minutes. Um, I tried to get them. I was there at seven a.m. and I didn't think they would go that quick. But I was like in the queue and I was waiting around. And by the time I got a chance, it was done. So I'm like, why were there? Uh, the student section, I guess, would be the difference because all the all the tickets that you would need. I mean, there's, there's not a finite number because it's a bleacher, so you can kind of fiddle with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Fifty-two hundred a night against UCLA. Fifty-two twenty-seven, huh. and for the game against yeah, fifty-two C- something. I thought it was fifty-five. That's that I mean, was what like Matt attempt- Zimmer. You don't know, see, so got it wrong. Yeah, fifty-two sixty-three for the game against Seton Hall. That's what they. That's oh. what they declared. So, oh, that's, that's something. Huh. 
But either way, it's not like it, it's you know it's a sellout for the first time since they played Notre Dame, what back like 2015. It's it's great support. It's great that they were able to sell out Frost in the last year. That Frost is going to be like you know it has been for 50 years before the remodeling and and everything. But I just took a little umbrage with the fact that they made it sound like SDSU doesn't have the support of the didn't have. A, widespread community support prior to this run that couldn't be anything further from the truth this there are fans uh, that go to these games all the time the support in Sioux Falls is tremendous yes they got more fans for these final couple of games but again it's not like they routinely only have 500 people that's why they were able to host every single game in this tournament because they get the fans unlike the Alabamas and the Seton Halls yeah, those big-time name opponents. The UCLA game was just fantastic. It was close. It was a physical, rough type of game. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I was hoping for a good crowd, and it was an excellent crowd. It was. I talked to Drew last week for the uh, podcast, and you know, every couple of months there seems to be a sports thing that's like, oh yeah, this is a reminder to me that sports are really good and really fun and why I like sports a lot. Mm-hmm. The, the Bills-Chiefs game was one of those a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Gonzaga-UCLA last year was definitely one of those. Uh, Duke-Carolina, I would put up there, that was one of those. Yep. And, I mean, that UCLA game, the crowd, I would I'd put that up there for me personally because... Like, uh, did you go and, and when you were a freshman to those WNIT games or one of them? I think I went to one. I didn't go to Indiana. I know I didn't go to the Indiana one. When was Illinois State? What was the other one? Min- I, I, think. I went to one against Minnesota, I, re- I remember. And the crowd just, I mean, 2007, the, the crowds they had were great. I mean, people were lined up yep. this weekend. They were lined up. You know, before to get their seats in the bleachers, and and that was a big deal because this was the first year that the Jackrabbits were eligible for postseason play in the D one era. And people were excited. They play, you know, in Indiana. People know what Indiana is, and we got there. I think at a reasonable time, but we were we had we our seats were not our view was not very good. We were behind the basket in the bleachers, and we couldn't really see a whole lot right in front of us because the band was there and it's not a good vantage point. And there's a seat, reason why those seats were open uh, for us. And we were there <laughs> 45 minutes before the game. I'm like, shit, we would have had to leave like a fucking 3.30 to get there to get a good seat. And that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we got there on Thursday night and game was great. Great finish. Exciting. Close. UCLA is a very good team. Uh, UCLA is probably the best team they played in the tournament. Them in Alabama. I mean, Seton Hall, sure, they're plenty good, but they were they were done. Yeah, they were done. Yeah, Alabama. Long, it was Alabama and UCLA were the teams, uh, the the, <laughs> the two toughest teams in the tournament. And I was expecting them to play Middle Tennessee State. I think that would have been that would have been a lot better game. I was I was hoping for that crowd, like I remember it, and it was like I remember it. So I was happy to experience that. And I guess the changes. At Frost Arena, as we're going, you won't notice them next year, I guess, I read. Like, okay. there'll be some changes, but you really won't notice them. And you wouldn't notice, but I guess in, in two years is when 
you'll notice the big changes. So they'll do some work. The, the track is already gone. The blue track is Aww. already pulled up. Aww. Whatever they're going to do, I guess it's not going to be noticeable here uh, this, this fall. That's a bummer. The blue track all the way around. Oh, it was good. I remember yeah. I remember that, like, even pre-college days. Like, when I would go visit my grandparents and stuff, we'd go to an SDSU basketball game every once in a while and, and just going around the track. Good good times. Or even, like, freshman year, I just remember, like, that's where people had to go for the gym. Before the wellness center, that's where people went to go run. Like, you'd see athletes out there and everything. Like, the, the frost was it. So The room would be up in the corner. What's that? This little shitty weight room that was up in the corner. Well, yes, or the one down below, like in the on the main level, and you'd have to walk down the stairs. Like the football players would always be in there. And there was, yeah, it was like in the, I guess the northeast corner, where yep. it'd be weights and stuff. Yep. And then you had the ellipticals and treadmills, just yes. yep around there in the middle. Mm-hmm. People would work out there, and then they built a massive. Ten million dollar building for that. So, well, it's it's a good thing that they did. Good thing that they did. So, congratulations to the SDSU women. Uh, they have a WNIT title. USD has a WNIT title. SDSU made it to the Sweet Sixteen a few years ago. USD made it to the Sweet Sixteen this year. There's a lot of similarities, a lot of pair, like it's almost mirror imaging here. I'm going to talk with our, uh, with Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader here uh, later on in the podcast. So we'll try and get him on and and talk more about this this run and stuff. But we should mention that uh, that USD's head coach on the women's side, Don Pletzelite. I can I can never get her name right. She left for West Virginia, and I gotta say it's. Oh, it was a stunning move to me. I had heard rumors maybe she would go to Illinois. I just don't ever like think of a job like USD all of a sudden vaulting you to a program like West Virginia. And I get Amy Williams went from USD to Nebraska, and that's a big step. I mean, that that's some Summit League to the Big Ten. That that's a big time program move. But West Virginia is like, do, do people in West Virginia even know where South Dakota is on a map? I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's a stunning move to me. Uh, not not based on her success, because she has a lot of success. And I heard uh, Coach Johnston talking in, in an interview, I think, with the Sioux Falls uh, ESPN radio affiliate. And he doesn't want to leave. Like, it, that's the way it sounds. Like, he flirted with Green Bay once. Uh, Minnesota's, you know, I think maybe come calling a couple of times, but he ain't leaving. He is devoted to, to Brookings, and he knows the type of program and the type of team that they have is obviously they just won a WNIT championship. But they can they can accomplish pretty much everything that he needs to there. They can make deep runs in the NCAA tournament. They're always in the Summit League championship game or almost every year. Uh, he can accomplish all that, and he that's he's comfortable doing what he's doing right here in, in Brookings, South Dakota at South Dakota State. Whereas USD now has seen Amy Williams uh, leave for Nebraska and now Don leave for West Virginia. It's, I I just, again, thinking that it's West Virginia, that's the stunning part in all of this to me. West Virginia, the vermilion of the U.S. <laughs> I mean, nice, West Virginia. She can, now she and uh, Huggy Bear, Bob Huggins will be best friends. Oh, so enjoy West Virginia. Good move for her. I mean, she's going to make a half million dollars a year. So that's 
that's a significant pay raise. That's almost double what she was making. So I feel like that's, I mean, that, that is the normal thing. We've seen some SDSU men's coaches do that. It was, it was, to me, it was shocking when Nagy left. Yes. Wow, Scott Nagy's leaving. Well, the the, the stability. I mean, SDSU was the only school in the country where their football coach and their men's and women's basketball coaches had all been there for 15-plus years. I think that was the stat at the time. And it is. You know, they talk about it's a special place, this and that. and I mean, it is because, I mean, AJ, uh, I I reread a story here last week, Stu Whitney did on on AJ, uh, I think when they made the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and how he talked about, I mean, that freshman year for us, 2007, AJ left for Wisconsin Green Bay, mm-hmm. and he was going to be their head coach. He was, guess how old he was in, in 2007? Uh, was he 35? 32. Okay. He was 32 years old. He'd been the SDSU coach at that point for seven, six, seven seasons and won a Division Two national title. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Division One, they're right on the cusp of being eligible for the tournament. And he goes to Green Bay, and they're always a very good team. And and he moved as well. And then I think he got to about Minneapolis, and he said, yeah, this I, don't, I, I, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I should have stayed. So we turned around, and then he stayed. And we're, we're thankful for that, and he's been here. And there are. He's been here for 20, 22 some seasons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hope he finishes his, his career here. He can coach another twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he does that, he'll be very high on the wins list, and that will be a cool thing to see. Yes. Um, right, but SDSU was lucky that I mean, Stig is here. He'll, he'll be here till he retires, and mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, AJ is as well. Yep. As we've seen, I mean, Vermillion goes through football coaches, and and. and they kind of surprisingly fired Todd Lee, their men's coach, a couple weeks ago. It's like, yeah, yeah. They had a, I thought they had a fine year, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, USD wasn't anything. Oh, this is a terrible year. I, I thought they were fine. Well, do they really? did they really expect to be better than SDSU and, and Oral Roberts, you know, with you know bringing back Max Abesmith? I mean, like, I don't know where, where USD's expectations are. And USD fans are very salty on Twitter about the coverage of their team. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? It's predominantly a blue state. And guess what? SDSU, I think, has earned that reputation or that credit based on the success that they've had, the sustained level of success that they've had with athletics. They're the more popular school. I mean, yes, you want to devote people, you know, and, and coverage to USD, but they had a lot of good coverage for their uh, Sweet 16 run. Hell, Marcus even went down to, you know, to the Sweet 16 game in Wichita. So, you know, for, for the Mitchell Daily Republic. So it they got coverage for that. I think USD fans are just salty. I mean, they'll always be number two. They'll always be number two. Mm-hmm. And it is just funny to me that when they made their big run, SDSU, I don't want to say overshadowed them winning this tournament, but USD did, did the same thing a couple of years ago when the roles were reversed. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, it's interesting and... Yeah, Vermillion Hedges, they, yeah, Vermillion, USD, show up to the Summer League tournament for once. I mean, yeah, it's just, they'll always be number two to SDSU. That's just the way, I mean, they made the move and USD didn't years mm-hmm. ago, and that's that's the separation right yep. there. 
Yep. If they would have made the move with, with everybody else, maybe a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, they, for they, some they reason, SDSU football got better. Yeah. They pretty much pointed yeah, they, at They SDSU. were just a team in Division Two, a 6-7 win team, and all of a sudden now they're a national title contender, and USD just isn't. And the same for men's basketball. It's yeah. SDSU, and then USD is just kind of there. Yeah. You know, it's like USD kind of pointed and laughed at SDSU and like, hey, good luck. You know, we'll wait to, for you to come back to D2. And, you know, they didn't think that SDSU was going to have the level of success that they did. But So, yeah, it was a great run. I mean, April. They played the last game of the year. Uh, nearly second to last game. It was in April. Never played an April basketball game before. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it, it is special because... Nobody else gets 5,000 fans. All these other teams got good fan support. Late in the WNIT, it wasn't 5,000 people at Middle Tennessee or any of these other spots. There's a reason why UCLA is coming here and you're not going there. Mm-hmm. So, so it is it is very unique, and, and I, I think people, people realize that. Yep, they sure do. So, again, congratulations to the SDSU women on winning the the WNIT. And that puts a wrap on this uh, college basketball season, and we look forward to next season. SDSU's men and women should dominate once again, and uh, we'll uh, just look forward to college basketball as a whole coming back. Quickly, uh, before we get... My my bracket did well. I was... Mine did not. I mean, you you had a good start, and then mine was just the opposite. I I was kind of... I mean, I had Kansas, and I mean, I got the two teams at the end. I got Kansas, Villanova, mm-hmm. and I had, against my better judgment, I had Kansas in the title game. Um, made a last-second decision to flip Villanova and Arizona. So Good it was... Call. Good call. Probably, it's probably, I think I won it in that first year. I got in the top five the first year, and this is probably the best I've done, even though it didn't doesn't really feel like it. Right, because I didn't, I didn't get off to that good. So I was like in the thirties. Well, everyone struggled this year. I mean, the winning score was seventy-five. So. Yeah, it was a low year. And Noah, for the record, uh, would have gotten forty-one was, was points. He, he, he wasn't in it, was he? He was not. Oh. No, nope. Uh, uh, but he had Villanova in the final four. Uh, well, shit. So good for him. Uh, he, he he did okay. So uh, we'll look. See what we can do next year again when we pick mascots. Because you, you, you got to base it solely off of mascots, pretty much. Mascots as well. And so, and, uh, yeah, may as well. Yep. So, a lot of fun there. It's always a great time. March is always the best month of the year, uh, the best time of the year with the March with the NCAA tournaments. And, um, yeah, so looking forward to that. Before we get to the baseball preview here, let's talk briefly about the Masters. Tiger Woods. One, one more. Well, yes. I, I, Haley, Haley Timmer. Yes. Is going to be a conference player of the year. Yes. Very soon. I don't know if next year is a sophomore. My Ellen's still there. But she is the real deal. Don't like she was fantastic throughout this WNIT tournament. Don't you think that she her game elevated and she had to because of the injury to Paige Meyer? Like she was forced into more of a role, and I think that only helps. The Jack Rat, like it sucks that Paige Meyer is injured, and I hope, hopefully, she'll be back healthy at some point next season. Probably not right away for the beginning of the season, but with her, when she's healthy, with the way Haley Timmer looks, and you got Maya Selen, you got all these, uh, like the the depth of this team is so good. I mean, it's going to be really, really 
exciting to see how good. I mean, they're ranked 26th right now in Charlie Cream's early you know, look ahead to next season. They're garnering respect, and Paige Meyer combined with uh, um, everybody with but Charlie Cream is just, It's just great. So, yeah, Peyton Burkhart, Selland, yes. all those guys. Yep. And some of the girls I mentioned that are three, four years down the road yet that aren't going to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to be good for, for forever. As long as he's there, they'll be good. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, USD, I'm sure they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. Yep. But, but they're not yeah, they, going to oh, be yeah. great next year because Chloe Lamb and Hannah uh, Shervin are, out, are, are not coming back. I mean, that's, that's significant. SDSU should have a cakewalk practically through the summit league if usd can reload this time in quick order then they're going to be just like sdsu and it's going to be like doesn't matter who the coach is they're going to be good mm-hmm. so we'll, I mean, will they be number two next year possibly just because i don't i mean i don't have any respect for any of these other summit league teams <laughs> so i mean it's, it's all for usds it's all it's all there for them to be to be competitive again. So, right. yeah, probably not going to get two teams in the tournament for maybe a couple of years like everybody wants. But uh, next year, SDSU, make a Sweet 16 run. I mean, this – I mean, Maya Sullen should be done by now, but she's not. Mm-hmm. So this is that extra year. Of, this, is, this is the extra right here. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this should be a team. This should be one of their better teams. Yes. I'll wholeheartedly agree. Be healthy with their, Be healthy. I don't know who they play in the non-conference. Be healthy. Win some of these non-conference games. Uh, make the summer league tournament irrelevant. That you're going to be in the NCAA's no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get a get a six or a seven seed. Have some big goals next year because yeah. you should not lose a conference game. New. I would not be surprised if they schedule Seton Hall, Alabama, and UCLA on the road. Like then maybe that's kind of a tit, uh, tit for tat sort of deal. Like, oh, you know, we're going to host you for the WNAT. We'll come, you know, play a road game or something for you. I wouldn't be surprised if something was in the works there. If they play any of those three teams or maybe all of them. And the relationship, I guess, between the UCLA coach and AJ yes. from their Olympic experience or whatever they did last summer. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that'll help. So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so. Quickly, before we get to the baseball preview here, Masters is this week. Tiger Woods sounds like he's going to play. He's played a few practice rounds. And this is the biggest thing. I mean, he hasn't done anything since his uh, tournament or since his uh, injury uh, 14 months ago. He hasn't played since the Masters. Well, he played with his kid, yes, I guess. You're you're right. Um, But, like, in in true competitive spirit here, and, like, he hasn't, you know, since the Masters in 2020 – this is a big deal. Even if he's not able to compete, at least he's there. I hope he does good. I hope he makes the cut. He thinks, you know, he's swinging the the club really well. He's making good contact and whatnot. Uh, Fred Couples said he looks phenomenal. I don't know if he's going to be able to contend, but it's just great that he's back out there. I mean, my interest in this tournament goes up exponentially if he's, he's going to play and if he plays well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he won a couple of years ago, and it was goddamn amazing. Yes. He won. What, 44 years old, 43 years old. It was – he won one more. And, I mean, he's Tiger Woods. He's the best there's ever been. So I'm watching this. Hopefully he makes the cut. And who am I to say that he can't, he right. can't compete? Um, 
I mean, like he shouldn't be able to because all of the because he hasn't played in so long and he's forty six. Like it, it, it's ridiculous to even consider. Oh yeah, maybe he'll you know be in contention, and then who knows? But it's I'm gonna watch it. Everybody's gonna watch it. Nobody means more to their sports than this guy, mm-hmm. and he's been around for what twenty five years now, and he's the best to ever do it. Yeah. And um, it is there's the not tw- a lot of these. I mean, there's not a lot of these left for him when he's forty six, healthy or not. There's not going to be. I don't know if he's playing the Champions Tour. I would hope to hell not. Um, but there's not a ton of these left for him to where, and maybe he'll never be competitive again. So. We will see. It's it is exciting though that he is there. Yep. Oh, absolutely. This is the 25 year anniversary of when he won his first green jacket in 1997. Like, what did he beat the field by 21 shots? I mean, it's just incredible. I'm picking Kalamurakawa to win. I think he's got the best overall game. I I mean, this is truly just a stab in the dark because you have a lot of great players like Jordan Spieth and and Justin Thomas and you know. To, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, and everything like that. I'm going with Colin Morikawa to win. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, uh, but hopefully we get a very exciting tournament, a good Saturday and Sunday of golf. Yeah, hopefully it's somebody I know or care about. So, um, I think Tiger Woods is 70-1 to one to, uh, to win it. Uh, like, like, John Rahm is not an exciting guy. You know, um... I don't know who I'm going to go with. Brooks Kepka. Right. All right. There we go. So looking forward to the Masters. Uh, first and second rounds are on ESPN. Third and fourth rounds on CBS. A tradition unlike any other Jim Nance calling the Masters on CBS. And ESPN, but he doesn't appear on the camera. Or if he does, he doesn't wear his CBS jacket. So there right. we go. very odd seeing Jim Nance hold a TBS microphone. Just for yeah. the record. Just for the record. I mean, good with uh, great ratings for the, the Saturday games. Yep. Very good. Yes. Uh, and rightfully so, because everyone wanted to watch Duke in North Carolina. And Eric Absolutely. Church made the right move, canceling. Like, all these people complain, oh, Eric Church canceled. You know what? I get it. If you're not a sports fan, you don't really understand it. But it wasn't just that UNC was in the Final Four. It was that UNC was in the Final Four against Duke, playing in their first ever NCAA tournament game against one another in Coach K's final season. Like, you add all that up, it's an easy decision. It's easy to understand why he would cancel. I hope Coach K stays retired. Oh, he's going to. Yeah, he ain't coming back. What the women's game? It was the most watched since two thousand four, and a game that wasn't any good. How many people stack and watch this women's game? The most in eighteen years. I'll say four million. Four point eight. There you go. Four point eight million. So yeah, good numbers, but still, you know. Yeah, I mean, good, good, good. It's, it's good for them. Yep, it's good for good for them. Keep building on, keep building on it. Yep, good, good attendance. Minneapolis was a good host, so it was very good. Let's get though to the the main item of business here. It's time for let's play ball. Baseball is back. Let's just go over some of these changes. Second, turn down the stove. You can turn it off. We're done. All right, We're all right. Stove. You can turn all it right. off. You can save uh, some wood. Uh, never too early to get to chipping some wood for next year. Yeah. But um, Kelsey, yeah. turn off the DR wood chipper. 
Yeah. Turn it off. Yeah, we We're don't need it. it. We don't need it right now. We're good until November. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all right, there we go. Well, we got that taken care of. Uh, some of the changes here: it's an expanded playoff field. We're going to what to six teams. Uh, we're going. We have a universal DH. Are they are they still doing the ghost runner on second? I thought that was initially removed, and then did they add it back in? What are what are you excited for? What are you not regarding some of these changes for the upcoming? Year? They got rid of it, and then somehow it snuck its way back in there. Like, where the fuck did you come from? You were supposed to be dead. This will be the third year of this stupid fucking rule. Ghost runner at second, of course, not in the playoffs, because we need different rules in the playoffs than we do during regular baseball. So, Well, just like the NFL. Just like the NFL. Can't have uh, uniform rules. So third year, and hopefully this will be the last year of this softball ghost runner rule. Because, God forbid, a game goes past 12 innings. Um, there's that. Don't care about that. Extra playoffs. The fifth team, I didn't like it. The sixth team, I don't like it. It cheapens the regular season. Like it meant something to make the baseball playoffs. It's like the only sport. And now football, I, I, I just look at you know, those football teams. Oh, Philadelphia, not a playoff team. The Bears, a couple of years ago, not a playoff team. Uh, who the hell was it on the AFC? Like Pittsburgh, like come on. Pittsburgh, not a playoff quality yeah. team last year. I think it was these teams were in Indianapolis there. was that team the, the when the Bears were the seventh seed. And, and, and it's like, these teams don't need to make the playoffs. They just don't. So we'll get a sixth team this year. And, I mean, last year I think it would have worked out because there were a lot of teams in that 90-92 win category. Like Toronto and, like, Seattle would have been nice for Seattle to get in there. So, you know, I guess those first two teams get a bye – Everybody else has to play a three-game series. So I think, it, I mean, it, it puts more importance on those top two spots because you don't want to play uh, in that quick three-game series. You want that, you know, five, six days off at whatever you get. And whatever team does, I mean, they're going to have a chance to set up their pitching staff whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is the big advantage to uh, getting those first two buys. I like in football years ago. So... We'll see if, if that is an advantage of getting that time off or if it's a detriment uh, to where maybe you don't want that time off. So, And, and the DH, finally, um, very exciting. Long time coming. Because watching pitchers hit is ridiculous. And for this to finally happen, this is much needed. Just makes just makes it a little bit more enjoyable. And you don't have to take your pitcher out in the National League, if he's coming to bat and he's still rolling along, so it is. Wasn't that the Shohei Otani rule? Or, or just like in the National League, you know, if your pitcher was coming up, you know, in the in the, in the order, and you didn't, and you were like, well, maybe we can get another inning or two out of him, and then you would take him out of the game because uh, you didn't want him to bat. And now you can leave him in because your pitcher doesn't have to hit. So you don't need to do those National League type rules. That have been around for 150 years. Mm-hmm. And the Otani thing, yeah, once he's out of the game with the pitcher, he can stay in as a hitter. They can put him in the outfield or keep him at DH. So it's a rule for one player, essentially, and, and it's for the better. Mm-hmm. So some 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 changes for baseball that are – some are good, some are bad. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, what do you, you – should we start in the AL or the NL? 
American League where real baseball played. <laughs> All right. All right, fair enough. Um, well, yeah, let's get right to it here. You have tidbits for every team here. We'll start in the AL. We'll start in the AL East. Let's go, like, if we're looking at this division as a whole, it's arguably the most difficult division in baseball. The Orioles suck. The Rays, can they do it again this year? How about the Yankees? The Red Sox, they were good as well. But I, all eyes appear to be on Toronto. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Biggio's kid, they signed some good guy. I mean, they have a, a Jose Barrios from uh, from the, the Twins that they got. This is a loaded team. Is Toronto good enough to win the AL East? Yeah, I've got them doing a lot of things this season. They won 91 games last year. They didn't make the playoffs. They were the opposite of Seattle. Seattle's run differential was terrible. They were a 90-win team. That was more like a 75-win team. Toronto was like a 100-win team. And they underachieved somehow. And they've made huge moves. Jose Barrios, they signed him to a seven-year deal, $131 million. He's a good pitcher. Uh, they signed Kevin Gosman. He had a good year with San Francisco. They traded for Matt Chapman from Oakland a couple weeks ago. Uh, they lost Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon, two of their better hitters, or, and, and, and their best pitcher from last year. So their lineup is loaded. <laughs> I said last week I, I like them as much as I like Houston a couple weeks or a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I love the Blue Jays. Um, uh, let's see, Bo Bichette, Dante Bichette's kid, Bo Bichette. He's a very good young player. They got they got good young players. They got a couple of veterans. I just like what they've done. They are obviously going for it here. Um, and, and one little thing, if you're unvaccinated, you can't play in can in Canada. Oh, so whatever advantage that will be, if it's an advantage at all, maybe it's a big one, maybe it won't matter, but we will know who's vaccinated and who's not like you cannot even travel with the team. So we'll know. And if there's a mysterious injury, all of a sudden, when you head to Toronto, that will be the reason why. All right. So. I mean, that was a deal with the Yankees. I, I, I don't believe Aaron Judge is vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So just more players being selfish, costing their team in, in, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can't play if you're unvaccinated in Canada, so we'll see if that is an advantage for the Blue Jays. What do we think about the Yankees? I mean, yes, now these guys like Aaron Judge can play home games, which is good. Uh, Boston, Tampa Bay. Like, it seems to me... We're probably going to get three teams in the AL playoffs from the American League East. So, what team kind of gets left out? I think we're getting all. We're getting four of them in. You're going to get four. Oh, okay, all four. I think I. I think the Twins have a good shot, maybe in that first team out. Or if there's a team that I'm not putting in, I'd say the Twins are the next team out. Okay. Um, I like Tampa Bay. The Yankees, Yankees haven't won anything of consequence in a long time. Right. And, and they traded for Josh Donaldson, which the Twins thanked him immensely for. Um, they got a, it's the same old Yankees. They got a good lineup. They had a lot of home runs. They'll beat the Twins. They're an older team. They're, all, they're always an older team. So can, can guys stay healthy? Can Judge stay healthy? Can Stanton stay healthy? Can Josh Donaldson? Can he stay healthy? Um, I was looking at some certain rankings, and 
And one ranking had the Yankees number one for pitching staffs. What? Like based on war or projected war. And I was like, what? Garrett Cole, obviously very good. Other than that, it's it's not. They got Luis Severino, who really hasn't pitched in three years, who was good before he got hurt, but he pitched six innings last year. So if he can return to form, that gives them a very good one-two punch. But then after that, there's not much for me there. So I think they need another starting pitcher. Their bullpen should be very good. They'll have one of the better bullpens. They'll have one of the better offenses. But it's their starting pitching that, if there's a weakness, that would be it for me. What are some other tidbits you got on the rest of the AL East? Uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay. Them in Oakland don't pay their players to get rid of them, and they are, you know, they over-exceed. Over and, and Tampa Bay, I like them to finish second. A um, bunch of guys nobody's ever heard of. And they did good last year, and they'll do good again this year. They lost some dudes. Um, Shane, McCla- 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 yeah. Shane McClallahan, number one guy. They signed Corey Kluber, who, you know, if he can stay healthy. He's, he's older, 35, 36. They got Wander Fox, 12 years, 23 million. He doesn't do that. So they finally they, they signed their big guy. Who made his debut? Uh, Randy Rosarena had a good year last year. They traded Austin Meadows yesterday to Detroit, who was an outfielder who was decent. So I just like what Tampa Bay does, and they've kind of changed the game of baseball with their opener idea from a couple years ago. So I like Tampa to finish second, I like the Yankees to finish third, Boston fourth. They try. They sign Trevor Story. Uh, Chris Sale, I think, is about done. He's got a rib thing. He'll be out for a while. So they've got a lot of starting pitching guys. Uh, They lost their top guy, Eduardo Rodriguez, to the Tigers. But Boston's got a lot of guys that could come up that people haven't heard of later in the year, maybe, that could make an impact. So, you know, I mean, Boston, I think, Overachieved a lot last year. Yes, they were surprised. Yep. So um, they should be right in the mix there. Yeah, but all those teams get to play each other, while all these other teams get to play Oakland and Cleveland a lot. So you know, four of the five teams get in, maybe. And Baltimore obviously is not in contention. They got a couple of prospects who might debut this year, but they're a ways away from being serious again. So. Yeah, I mean, this this division should get, you would think, at least three teams in. All right. Sorry, Scott Van Pelt. Orioles suck. Yeah, they're bad, so. Yeah. All right. Baltimore uh, Baltimore should be, I mean, between, uh, between them and Oakland, those are your two worst, worst American League teams. Oh, yeah, by, by far. Oakland's, it's a damn fire sale. It's really a shame. I heard that a stat that, Oakland's payroll in 1991 is $33 million, and this year it's $33 million, or $31 million. It's just, it's bad. Um, all right, AL Central, Chicago White Sox, cream of the crop, it appears. Lance Lynn is out for four to six weeks. That's a bit of a concern. Remember, they were riddled with injuries last year. 
Minnesota, the the bullpen, a bit of an issue. The starting pitching uh, rotation, eh, perhaps not, but really a lot of good bats. They get Carlos Correa. It appears to be those two and then everyone else. Like Cleveland's going to be really bad this year. Kansas City should be okay, or like will be okay, but not great. Detroit still building something there, but they they could maybe take a step ahead to third in that division. I think it's going to be a battle for third between Kansas City and Detroit. But what do you make of the AL Cent- Central and specifically the Twins? You know, this division is getting better. Uh, Chicago, I mean, they were the only team above 500 last year. And the Twins finished last. So, I mean, yeah, Chicago, <clears throat> very good again. Um, they should win this division. You know, like Lance Lynn is out, as you mentioned uh, Michael Kopech is a prospect who's they've used him in the bullpen last couple of years, and that might be his time now to ramp up and join the rotation. So I like Michael Kopech as a guy that should make a make a next step. Uh, they traded Craig, Craig Kimball a couple yeah. days ago to the Dodgers for whatever reason. So that that's interesting. That's a significant move <clears throat> for the Dodgers. How much does this weaken the White Sox? Uh, they'll, they'll figure it out. Well, it's kind of like, okay, you, you just kind of got them here recently in the last year or so, but you can trade them right away. It's like, all right. So, yeah, White Sox, they should be they should be plenty good. They got, I mean, their lineup is, is excellent. So, got a lot of good young players. Um, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go to the Twins last. I got the Twins finishing second. Uh, Detroit, yeah, Detroit's not bad. They won 77 games last year. They finished third. And they got some prospects coming up, so they are. They could maybe finish around that eighty wins. Say they, you know, Detroit's a team that maybe that that sixth wild card spot they're in it later than they would have been. They signed Javi Baez to a big deal. They traded for Austin Meadows a couple days ago. They added Eduardo Rodriguez, sports pitcher from the Tiger from the Red Sox, so he's their top guy now. So yeah, Detroit should not be bad. Uh, Kansas City should be. You know, 75 wins or so. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr., the top prospect in baseball, is is their new star infielder. So Bobby Witt Jr. is a guy that might be a, a, a big-time star for Kansas City. And they get Zach Grinke back to maybe pitches last year. And I think Cleveland's going to be pretty bad at them finishing last. Uh, they got Shane Bieber, who's excellent. They got Jose Ramirez, who's really good. Other than that, that's not, there's not much there. And they are the Guardians now. Yeah, and that's just an awful game. I just, just that just doesn't fit. Nope. Agreed. I mean, you had a chance to pick a name and you pick that, and the name sucks. So I got them to finish last. The Twins did something this offseason, so that is exciting. All the moves they made. Um, signing Buxton to a long-term deal, getting Correa for, I mean, Correa... They both hit home runs today against Boston, their final spring training game. So, I mean, Buxton's had a great spring. He has five home runs. Correa's had a couple. I mean, for those two at the top of the lineup, you got Buxton, Correa, you got Jorge Polanco, who had his best year last year. That is a good top third of the order. Miguel Sano, for me, I'm a big fan of his, but this, I mean, they got to, I feel like this is the year he's, he's got to do something or they got to move on. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to strike out a lot. Him and Gary Sanchez, I'm very concerned about Sano and Sanchez striking out 
like 40% of the time when they're up. Big power guys, I feel like there's going to be a lot of strikeouts there between those two, which is not good. So, nope. I mean, they, they need to get off to a better start than last year. Last year was not good. They just had that horrendous first couple of weeks with blown save after blown save. So they got Seattle with four games, and they got the Dodgers. I think they got Boston, so it's it's kind of a tough start to the year. But I like Sonny Gray. I like Joe Ryan. Other than that, I mean, yeah, the, the pitching depth is not there. So, you know, if, if they're in contention here later, maybe they get a pitcher along the way. So it'd be cool to see them make a trade in season. They've made uh, plenty of moves here in the offseason. So, yeah, it is, it is exciting, I guess, for the Twins, but I still don't think they're making the uh, playoffs. Okay. I mean, but they're at least in contention this year. You think? Yeah, I mean, if, you know, Boston or the Yankees kind of falter, or I mean, I feel like the Twins can can be there. You know, that, that, that sixth playoff spot helps. So I feel like they got as good a shot as anybody that you wouldn't think to make the playoffs to to get there. So they can, I mean, they've got, they've got some guys that they could, they could maybe be one of the surprise teams. All right. There we go. In the AL West, I feel like this is maybe an up for grabs division here. The Astros got weaker during the offseason, certainly losing Carlos Correa. Seattle, big on them this year with some of the guys that they've signed and just some of their prospects and whatnot. Anaheim, or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Shohei Otani, best player in baseball, arguably. They have Mike Trout. Is this the year they put it together? Or pitching going to... I mean, I, 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 don't, I can't... Until the Angels do it, I can't put them in at all. Oakland's the worst team because they have no one. And then you have Texas. They're not that great either. So... Handicap this AL West for me. I think the Astros win this fairly easily. Easily? Um, I mean, yeah, it's... Like, who's going to win it? Seattle. Seattle, no. I think people underestimate Houston. I still like Houston. Uh, like, last year they went on a run. And it's like, oh, yeah, Houston's really good. They got a lot of really good guys. And... I think they're going to be, I got them as the two seed here. I got Toronto as the one, and I got Houston as the two here over Chicago. So, I mean, I like Houston. I don't think they miss much of a beat here. They lose Carlos Correa, that's about it. Um, Grinky, he's about done. Verlander's back. He's look excellent in, in the spring. So, you get Verlander back. I like, I, I think the rotation is extremely underrated. They got Framber, Valdez, Jose Urquidy. Uh, they got uh, Luis Garcia. They got Jake Odorizzi, a former twin who's average. They got Christian Javier, who he had 130 strikeouts in 100 innings last year. He's going to be like a long reliever for them who can, he can easily step in to be a starter. So I think they got a deep pitching staff. I mean, their offense. I mean, Altuve, Bregman, all those guys, they're still there. So... I feel like people were sleeping on Houston, and they're going to be good again. So, yeah, Houston. I, yeah, Houston. All right. How about 
Does any team you say that they win easily? What about the rest of the division? How do you see it? I mean, yeah, Oakland's going to be one of the worst teams in baseball, so they're starting over. Uh, the Angel, I have the Angels starting uh, finishing fourth. It's like they're the team I hate the most in baseball because they sign all these guys and they're never any good. They signed Anthony Rendon a couple of years. Turns to complete garbage. Uh, they just let Justin Upton go. He was due twenty some million this year. They signed him to a long term deal, and he probably underperformed. Um, like Trout and Otani, I would trade them. I would trade both of them. You have the two, maybe you, you maybe have the two best players in all of baseball. And what have you had to show for it? Not a goddamn thing. I, w- I would trade both of them and just get massive hauls, just literally a dozen players for those two, and and see what you can get because this is not working. How many years can you win seventy-seven games? Before you say, you know what, we just got to tear this thing down. We're not going anywhere. We're stuck in the middle. So, I don't like the Angels at all. What Otani did last year has never been done before. It was an, it was, it was an unprecedented season. He had 46 home runs, and he threw 130 innings. Nobody's ever come close to doing anything like that ever. And... Like, even when Babe Ruth was a, was a pitcher, he didn't put up those type of hitting numbers. He was more of a pitcher than anything. And then once he transitioned to become a full-time player, that's when he started to hit 40 and 50 home runs. Mm-hmm. So even, you know, Babe Ruth, you know, in the, in the late 19-teens, he was not hitting 30 home I mean, 40, he, it's, it's unexplainable what he did. It's never been done. It's never been close to being done. And if he, if he does anything like this every year, he'll win the MVP every year. Mm-hmm. If he does anything close to what he did, and before it was, you know, Mike Trout should always win MVP because he's so much better than everybody else. But it's words can't describe what he did last year. Right. And who knows, maybe he'll never do that again. Maybe that was the one year he put it all together, and he'll never do it again. But we will see. So he's by far the, I mean, most valuable player without a doubt. Like, fuck you. Some of these guys eating $300 million, Like, what do you give him a, a fair value? You should pay him $50 million a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, hits you 50 home runs and is a good pitcher for 130 innings. That's yep. never happened before. So the Angels are just there. They got Noah Syndergaard coming off of Tommy John, so he's trying to rebound. Oh, uh, the Rangers made a lot of big moves. Um, I think they got the Rangers at second in this division. Okay. They were really, I mean, I mean, I think they lost 102 last year. They were really bad. They signed Marcus Simeon uh, from Toronto for second base. They signed Corey Seager from the Dodgers, shortstop, so they got a couple big bats. They signed John Gray from the Rockies, who's okay. Um, the Rangers need some pitching, so... Maybe they can hit themselves uh, to mediocrity here. And Seattle, haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. Almost made it last year. Their run differential, I mean, they overachieved. They were a 91-win team. When you factor in the run differential, it was like minus 50, minus 60. That doesn't add up. A 90-win team should not be outscored by 60 runs. That was more like a 76-win team. So they definitely overachieved. They added Robbie Ray from Toronto, who was excellent last year. 
they acquired a couple guys from the Reds, Jesse Winker and a Junio Suarez. So, I mean, they added some some pieces. I, I wish them well. I like Seattle, but I don't see them making the playoffs again. Um, they got one of the top prospects as they play the Twins Thursday. They got uh, Julio Rodriguez. He's a top five prospect in all of baseball. He's an outfielder. So, uh, I, don't, I don't like their pitching. There's a theme here. I don't like most of these teams' pitching staffs. I don't know if I ask too much, but I want more than, like, two good starters on your team. So, Houston 1, Texas 2, Seattle 3, Angels 4, Oakland 5. I mean, those, those, between those three teams in the, in, the, in the middle, they could all be shuffled around. But they're all, you know, like, they're all just middle-of-the-pack teams. Mm-hmm. So. All right. There we go. Uh, let's go to the NL now. The NL East. New York Mets added a lot of talent. They added Max Scherzer in the offseason. But Noah Syndergaard is... Or excuse me, not Noah Syndergaard. Jacob DeGrom has some yep. issues. Uh, he's not going to pitch for, what, four, four to six weeks? Something like that? Uh, yeah, that's not good. That, that's not good. The Mets have put a lot of money into this thing. Uh, the Braves get Matt Olson, but they ship Freddie Freeman away. Braves are your defending World Series champions. Washington, probably not great. Uh, the Marlins, not great. Philly, we'll see what the Phillies can do. How do you peg this uh, NL East? Like, Atlanta wasn't very good last year until the like the last you know, 40, 50 games when they just went on a crazy run, and they carried that to the World Series. So I guess by default, you, you, you give Atlanta number one. They lose Freddie Freeman. They uh, get, get Matt Olson. You get younger. You maybe lose some production, but you get a little bit younger. So it's maybe a wash. And they added Kenley Jansen from the Dodgers, another odd move that the Dodgers let him go. Um, Acuna was Acuna's coming back, so he I mean he was not around last year for the playoffs or the last couple months of the season, so they did not have their best player. So yeah, Atlanta should be good again. Uh, I got Philadelphia two. They added some big-time bats. They added Kyle Schwarber. He'll be the DH. They added Nick Castellanos from the Reds. He'll hit 30-some home runs. Bryce Harper should be in the MVP discussion. So the Phillies, uh, uh, Phillies will score a lot of runs, but they're pitching them. I mean, can they can they pitch? They got Aaron Nola, who's very good. They got uh, – uh, who's the guy from last year that was good? Zach Wheeler. He was excellent. So their top two guys are pretty good. But other than that, yeah, bullpen, rest of the rotation, they got to they got to put up some some runs here if they want to be in the playoffs. I really like the Mets, but I'm not putting them in the playoffs because Degrom. I don't think he'll ever be healthy. He what he had, I think his ERA was 1.08 last year, which is you know that's a bit ridiculous, and I don't know if he'll be healthy again. So hopefully, you can get, like like Chris Sale has been hurt for many years now, and hopefully Degrom and Degrom is older than many people think, and he's got a contract up. He says he's going to opt out, but if you're not going to be healthy this year, I don't. You know, are people still going to pay him? I don't know. You get Scherzer, who's close to 38 years old. He's still very good. Um, it feels like with the Mets, they always need more bats. They always need more offense. Um, they signed Sterling Marte. He's almost 34. He's a good outfielder, 
Well, they got Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks. He's been a good hitter in his career, but they need more than that. And Francisco Lindor has not been good for them since he came over from Cleveland. So I want to like the Mets. They made a lot of moves, but I don't have them in the playoffs because I don't think they're – and Scherzer's got a hamstring thing he's going to miss, you know, yep. a couple days. So it's nice to have those two guys, but will they ever be together? I don't think so. Uh, the Marlins at four, they got some good young starting pitching. A lot of teams, I don't like their starting pitching. The Marlins, I like their starting pitching. They got uh, a lot of guys I like. They got uh, Trevor Rogers. They got Pablo Lopez. They got Sandy Alcantara. They got some guys who I like that can throw the baseball. So uh, probably can't score many runs, but uh, the pitchers are good uh, for Miami. And I think Washington's going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Their pitching staff is awful. Their offense is awful. They got Juan Soto, who's going to be wasted away here for a while. They got Nelson Cruz, who why the hell he signed with Washington when I thought it was going to be the Padres or the Dodgers. Why the fuck would you go to Washington? Will this be the year Nelson Cruz finally says, all right, I'm 41 or 42. I'm going to start acting like it instead of putting up ridiculous numbers. So uh, for Washington, um, I got them finishing last. All right. Uh, NL Central, Albert Pujols returns to St. Louis. Uh, they still have Nolan Arenado. Chicago Club. Know. What? I forgot about the uh, Nolan Arenado. I'm like, yeah, I guess I do. Chicago Cubs, they could be in there. The Brewers are really good. Cincinnati Reds kind of keep taking charge. The Pirates suck. How do you see the NL Central? Oh, uh, this is all Milwaukee. I do like Milwaukee stacking. They, for me, they have the best pitching staff that there is Ooh. in all of baseball. Whoa. They have got they got Corbin Burns. He won the Cy Young last year. That's a good deal. He was the best pitcher. They got Brandon Woodruff. He was good. They got Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta, I heard a stat the other day. Freddie Peralta had the lowest batting average against of any pitcher in 50 years last year. Wow. Since it was like a, guys batted like 160 off of it. So he was a huge surprise. So if those guys can continue to be what they were last year. No team has three pitchers like that. Uh, they got Josh Hader. They got Devin Williams. That's the best one-two punch for bullpen guys. I mean, Josh Hader, we know about him. Devin Williams, he strikes out a ton of guys as a setup guy. They got a prospect, Aaron Ashby, who could be a starter. He might be out of the bullpen, so he's another arm that he's a lefty that might be okay. So... I like Milwaukee as the Toronto of the National League, uh, more so for their pitching. It's it's their offense. Can they get can they get some offense going? Wow! All right, that's good. I like it. I like it a lot. How about then the rest of it? Like, do you like St. Louis? Do you like the Cubs? Do the Red? Well, I don't. Do I don't like any of these teams. So I guess you put St. Louis at number two. Um, they should be fine. They could, they, I mean, they could make the playoffs. That wouldn't surprise. I mean, they, they go on that, what, 18, 20, 18 game winning streak last year to get into the playoffs. They almost beat the Dodgers. And then they decide to fire their manager because they have differences of opinion on how this team should be ran, apparently. So, like St. Louis, probably, I mean, they shouldn't have made it last year outside of a historic winning streak. Mm hmm. So they bring back Albert Pujols, uh, a bag of bones, to 
wrap up his career, you know, to, to wrap it up. He's, he gains 21 home runs for 700. I don't see him getting that. So hopefully he can last the whole year. And he did better than I thought he would with the Dodgers last year. So just, just don't embarrass, just don't embarrass yourself. Right. And he'll, I mean, this is good for the, I mean, the DH, I mean, this is the perfect situation for him. Mm-hmm. Be a, be a DH, you know, hit 230. They got Yadier Molina, who's 40 years old. Somehow can still stand up being a catcher for 20 years. Um, I think he'll probably, he's done after this year, I would hope. Then you got Adam Wainwright, who's 40, and he put together a good year last year as a 40-year-old pitcher. I mean, so those two guys, Pujols, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, they were all on the team that won it in 2006, and they were also together in 2005. And I, I, I mean, that's 2005. They were all on the same team together. Wow. And now with Pujols back, there's still three there. I, I don't remember ever any any trio of players really in any sport and, and baseball where guys from 17 years ago were still on the team. I don't know. If, no kidding. I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean, baseball has been around a long time. I don't know if there's been three guys that were around 17 years apart. Mm-hmm. I, I, so, I, I, I would uh, doubt it. I really would. I mean, I don't know who. I mean, maybe there's a pair. I mean, just, just two teams. What, what what two teammates have been with each other for 17 years? I mean, what player? What what, what player has been around for mm-hmm. 17 years? And then you need to find another guy. And then you need to find a third guy. So maybe very unique. Um, I got Cincinnati three because I think Chicago and Pittsburgh are awful. Um, Joey Votto is one of my favorite players, and he, he was about done. But he had 36 home runs last year as a 37-year-old. He He's a guy that walks a lot, high on-base percentage, but I think he kind of switched his mentality as a hitter and decided, oh, I'm going to hit for power. I'm going to get the ball up. I'm going to be more aggressive at the plates. I'm going to maybe swing at some balls outside the strike zone to – instead of walking so much. So I'm excited to see what Joey Votto can do as an old guy who's an excellent hitter and who should be a Hall of Famer. And the Reds, they called up Hunter Green, who was a top pick a couple years ago who can throw 100. So he's been a big name, and maybe he'll turn out to be good. So you got them. uh, The Cubs are just, I think, going to be awful, and the Pirates will be... You know, just as bad. <laughs> in in the the Pirates will be in the discussion for one of the you know they'll lose ninety five games. They'll be between the Pirates, Arizona, Oakland, and Baltimore. I think that's your that's your that's your bottom of baseball. I think it's not a, a stretch to say that the three worst teams could all reside in the AL with the Cleveland Guardians in there as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Pittsburgh and Arizona are pretty bad too. They are. They are. It's there. Yeah, there, there's a couple teams that are. Seems like every, every division has one. Every division has that one team that's like, yeah, they are going to lose 95 games. Well, then I, I know where you're going with the NL West with Arizona in last, and I believe I know who you're going with first with uh, the Dodgers. How does the rest of the NL West shake out? You know, the Dodgers, I have next to the Dodgers, they are an all-star team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, you know, they added Freddie Freeman. They keep adding players. They they added Max Scherzer last year and still couldn't win the deal. 
I, I just can't pick them to win anything of significance because, you know, how many times can you underachieve mm-hmm. with all of the with all of these guys? You need to win more than a sixty game season World Series. You need to win a full season World Series. So I've got them to win this thing. Um, the the division. Giants at two. Giants were the surprise team last year. They, I, I've always liked the Giants. They've kind of been my second favorite team, maybe the Twins. Um, I like their pitching. Their offense needs some help. Uh, Logan Webb, I guess, would be a guy for them. Probably their top starter, who was a surprise last year, Logan Webb. Alex Cobb, I've always liked him. Alex Wood, I've liked him. Just injuries with those guys. And it seems like kind of similar to Tampa Bay. Like, you just send a pitcher to the Giants and he'll be good. Mm -hmm. He'll be better. So, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, I like those guys at the back half of the rotation. They signed Carlos Rodon, uh, Rondon from the White Sox, who had a really good year. So, I like the pitching staff for the Giants. They signed Jock Peterson, gives them some pop in the lineup. Um, like this is like like if if Nelson Cruz is good, you know, somebody trade you now Milwaukee, San Francisco, one of these teams that needs some offense. I, I hope these teams add some offense here by the trade deadline. So like San Francisco second, uh, San Diego was a disappointment last year. I like them third. They had a lot of prospects here the last couple of years. They should have traded some of them. Because not all of them are going to pan out, and some of them are just not going to be very good at all. So, I mean, they, they tried to trade Eric Hosmer this past week to the Mets, it looks like, and that didn't go down. And, I mean, just from the get-go, that was a terrible deal mm-hmm. to get him years ago. Why they couldn't figure that out, I don't know. Um, like, you, 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 Darvish and Blake still need to be better. They were not good last year. You, Darvish was pretty bad, and Blake Snell was awful. And those are the two big moves they signed. Those two, two, you know, Cy Young type guys. Well, yep, they but were. They, they do have Mania now, who they just traded for the other day from the from the A's. So that's that yeah. should help significantly, right? Yeah, they got Sean Mania. He was a guy I opened open the Twins would maybe get, but it's not like they need. I mean, they got pitching up the wazoo here, so you know, Sean Mania gives them another option. Uh, they had a guy a couple of years ago, Chris Paddock, had a great rookie year and has been pretty awful the next couple of years. So he was a guy who I thought was going to be excellent who has not put it together. So hopefully he can rebound. Didn't he have um, a no-hitter last year? Who? Paddock. What did he have? Didn't he have a no-hitter? I don't believe so. Okay. I know somebody else maybe, but he—I mean—he was excellent as a rookie. I'm like, oh, this guy—he's going to be great. And then he has not been good the last couple of years, so I think he's going to start the year out of the bullpen. So the Padres, uh, Tatis injuries with Tatis injuries injuries. So he's going to be out for a while, mm-hmm. and he got Machado, who's been fine. So the Padres—they um, should be in the mix. Then you got the Rockies in Arizona. Arizona should be one of the worst teams in baseball. They got. Cattell Marte, who's excellent, is another guy that needs to stay healthy, but he's very good. They signed him to a very reasonable contract, I thought. So, if they maybe want to trade him for some guys, if, I think he's got a lot of value if they just want to completely, you know, trade the one guy they have. Arizona, uh, bring back the purple for good. And then you got the Rockies, who... 
you know, kind of in that, you know, 75, 76 wins, not terrible, but not good. And they signed Chris Bryant, which just baffles me to no end. Seven years, $182 million. Why he would go, I mean, Denver's a nice area. Why he would want to go with the Rockies, I'm not sure, unless they gave him $40 million than anybody else. I don't know. They're not going to contend. He won a World Series with the Cubs. He was good with the Giants last year. Like, do you not want to be in the mix here with some contending teams? Apparently not. Like, I can't see him lasting more than two years there. Unless they all of a sudden are competitive. Like, why Why would you want to go there and waste away here in your late 20s, early 30s? I feel like he's going to be traded here in the next couple of years. You're going to be like, yeah, we're not good. Why are we paying this guy $20 million a year on a bad team? Uh-huh. And it's all I mean. And, and the Rockies should score fine. It's just they're pitching. It will always be the pitching. Yep. So... I mean, for me, if 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 you would just sign a bunch of ground ball pitchers or guys who have high ground ball rates, keep the ball out of the air, keep the ball out of the seats. I don't think they've tried that. You know, they, they've got the humidor. If you can sign a bunch of guys who are ground ball pitchers, sign. You know, just, just whoever has the highest ground ball rates in baseball, just sign sign a lot of those guys and see what happens. Sign the guys that get fifty, sixty percent of their outs on ground balls and see what that would look like. I mean, Alex Colomay is going there from the Twins. It's like, Jesus Christ. So, uh, Randall Grichik got traded from Toronto to Colorado. He can hit some home runs, and maybe he'll be a guy that hits 30, 35 home runs. C.J. Crone is their first baseman, former twin. A couple years ago, he'll probably hit 30 home runs. So, great stadium, great scenery, uh, not a very good team. All right. I got to tell you, like as, as you are going through this, I've I've been making my predictions as well, and we're very similar to a, a lot of these yeah. ones here. Uh, the, the entire AL East were were is, uh, in order here: Toronto, Tampa, New York, Boston, and Baltimore. AL Central, I have Kansas City and Detroit flipped. AL West uh, is the biggest difference: uh, Houston and Oakland. We are having the same spot. I have Seattle number two, LA three, Texas four. The NL East, the exact same order. The NL Central, the exact same order. In the NL West, I have the Padres 2. I have the Giants 3. I want to see if the Giants can can duplicate that success again this year. So that leads us into our, our playoff predictions here. So you have all four teams from the AL East. Uh, and only the Orioles not making it. You have the White Sox from the Central and the Astros from the AL West. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Who do you like in the ALCS? Um, I assume, yeah, okay, if you win your division, you get the three seed, I guess, no matter what. So, like the Braves, and I'm, like the Braves had the worst record in the National League among playoff teams, but they'd get a three seed. So, um, I like Toronto and Houston in the ALCS. I like Toronto to win the American League. Doggone it. I love it. I That's what I have, too. I'm, I'm serious. I, that's what I had it. Yeah. And I, I I was big on Toronto last year, and they were so close. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going. I'm going to try him again this year. So. And where they added, they added, they added some folks too. So they lost some guys. They added some guys. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, has exceeded expectations, and they were very high. He, I mean, if it wasn't for Otani, he would have won MVP. So, who yeah, your, it's it's exciting. Who is your AL Cy Young? American League Cy Young. Uh, Garrett Cole would be your favorites. You kind of look at okay, who's who are the good teams? Who should get? I mean, Toronto if they're going to do this thing. I mean, you got Jose Barrios there. You got Kevin Gosman be their top two starter. So is it one of those guys? Uh, you got Shane Bieber, who's very good for a bad Cleveland team. So he would have to pitch very well for a Cleveland team that's not expected to do much. You got Otani, who probably won't throw enough innings. He only threw 130 last year. And uh, I like the Astros rotation, but there's nobody that sticks out as a Cy Young contender. So, you know, Garrett Cole would be a, a very boring pick. Uh, Robbie Ray, I think, did, did he win it last year? With yes, yes, he did. I mean, and he goes to Seattle, so you know, Robbie Ray finally put it all together. Uh, Lucas Giolito would be the best pitcher for the White Sox. So, um, I guess I'll go with a boring pick and say Garrett Cole with the Yankees. All right, how about your AL MVP? You know, Mike Trout, yeah, it was, you know, you can't pick Mike Trout because that's unfair. It's like picking LeBron. He could win it any year. And, I mean, I think I picked Otani last year to win it, and he finally did it. He finally put together an unbelievable year. So it's, it should be illegal to pick either of those two. Um, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. I've, I've been wrong. Taking a chance on the son of a bitch before. I'm sure he'll get hurt again. But if Byron Buxton can play 130 games, he should win the MVP. Okay. Wow. He has, he, has, he has finally figured out how to hit a fucking baseball consistently. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody wants to see what he can do. If he could fuck, if he could play 150 games, I mean, you were looking at, at an all-time season. So... So what does that look like for the Twins if he stays healthy? And again, healthy, just don't miss half the games. You know, mm-hmm. play 120, play 130. Please don't get hurt diving into the wall. Don't break a fucking finger diving in the second base. He's had a great spring. He's had five home runs. He was great last year and just didn't play enough. If he plays a full season, I think he'll win MVP. Okay. If I, I'm going to pick Shohei Otani. If I couldn't do that, I would go Vlad Guerrero yeah. Jr. Yeah, those are yeah, those are good, good picks. So, uh, NL then, uh, who do you like for the playoffs? Of course, we have the Braves, uh, Brewers, and Dodgers automatically. Uh, playoffs, I got uh, I got Milwaukee as my one seed. I am all in on the Blue Jays and the Brewers. Okay, something completely different. Milwaukee is a one. Dodgers is a two. Uh, like Atlanta is the third division winner. I like the Giants as the first wild card. I like the Padres as the second wild card. And I like the Phillies as the sixth team. Okay. I have the the Dodgers as the one, Brewers two, Braves three. I have the Padres as the first wild card. Hopefully Tatis can come back here. The Mets and then the Phillies. 
I'm going. I'm trying Mets, again with the Mets. Phillies, well, the Mets. I like the Mets. I mean, you know, I do like the Mets, but I just. Yep. It's I hope t- they do well. NLCS. Who you got? Oh boy. Yeah, Milwaukee. Milwaukee and the Dodgers would be the you know if you take the top two teams. Let's take Milwaukee, I guess, and the Dodgers. Dodgers to disappoint again. Uh, I'll be pulling hard for Milwaukee this year. They probably won't get there. I mean, that would be, you know, good for Milwaukee, but I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll ride them to the end here. All right. I have the same here. Uh, <laughs> then your uh, the NL Cy Young. Walker Beeler with the Dodgers. I like him a lot. Uh, Scherzer's there, but he's 38. DeGrom won't stay healthy. Uh, they asked him, I mean, the Brewers have got a couple guys they really like. Um, Logan Webb for the Giants would be a dark horse. But I will take Walker Buehler with the Dodgers. Okay, how about your MVP? Juan Soto is by far the best hitter, maybe in all of baseball. But I think his team's going to be pretty bad. Bryce Harper's always in the mix. Dodgers have about five guys you could pick. Um, you know, I like the Brewers, but there's nobody that sticks out as an MVP candidate for the Brewers. So, you know, the, the National League. I think Juan Soto, I guess, is going to put up a good enough year to overcome a a non-playoff team. I'll go Juan Soto, Okay, your National League winner. I would either go with Freddie Freeman or Ronald Acuna mm-hmm. Jr. Yeah. Acuna, you see how many games he plays, yep. and yeah, Freddie Freeman. That's the key. That's the key. I yep. think if Acuna, Acuna Jr. plays a bunch of games, if he's you know coming back strong from that uh, ACL injury from last year, I think he's going to win. But I, the safer pick, I think, would be Freddie Freeman. I think uh, Trey Turner, another guy for... Uh, the Dodgers, he would be in the mix as well. So, World Series, you have Toronto against Milwaukee. I'm yeah, this would be this would be different too. Yes. I guess smaller markets, even though Toronto spent a boatload of money, and Milwaukee is a smaller market. Um, this would die in the ratings, I would think. But I would, I mean, between Milwaukee's three pitchers and their bullpen, I like their pitching more than anybody, and. Maybe outside of the Dodgers, or even more than the Dodgers, I like Toronto's offense more than anybody. So this is, for me, my favorite offense versus my favorite defense. Uh, Milwaukee and Toronto, which would be a good, I don't know, it would be different. It would be a good change of pace. It's not the Dodgers. It's not Houston. It's not Boston. I'm tired of Boston and the Dodgers. So I don't give a shit about Atlanta. The Giants have found themselves in many World Series the past decade, so... Uh, Toronto almost got there a couple of years ago during your wedding year against the uh, the Royals. Mm-hmm. So uh, Toronto, Milwaukee. That's what I want, and I will pick the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, go Canada, <laughs> to win uh, the World Series. Oh, Canada, <laughs> our home and native land. Anyway, um, I have Toronto in the World Series as well. I have the Dodgers in, and... 
I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I I know they haven't. They are like the Atlanta Braves from the 90s, where you win all these division titles, and yet you can only win one World Series. You routinely disappoint. But they got better in the offseason. I'm just going to ride it out, and I think the, the Dodgers will win the World Series. They keep on trying. They didn't need Freddie Freeman, but they got him. Yep. I mean, they keep on, I mean, just... What a team. Mm-hmm. What a team. They got prospect. They got it all. And for them to never, I mean, for them not to win, is it's it's incredible. Incredible. It is. That's baseball. That's your Major League Baseball season preview for 2022. Anything else before we say so long? Got my Sean Kirk fantasy draft here in an hour. Or shit, it's about 40 minutes away, so... I've struggled in that league because we start from scratch. My other two leagues are keeper leagues, so... I was fortunate in, in uh, Dustin Verink's league to get Juan Soto a couple of years ago, just like off the waiver wire when he just came up in the middle of the season. So when you get somebody like that, that's and you keep him for the next 15 years. Yep. And the other league is a very extensive league, 40-man rosters, minor leaguers. It's very deep, and I, I, that's probably my favorite league. Shot and Kirk's my least favorite because it's different every year. So you start from scratch, and I haven't done very well in that recently. I feel like I've saved my me get two hundred and sixty dollars to of payroll money to spend, mm-hmm. and you, I haven't gotten the top top guys have like saved it. I've you know spend fifty bucks on Trout, spend fifty bucks on Mookie Betts, all these guys. I'll wait for some discounts, and that has not worked for me. So I feel like I have to go. With a couple of forty dollar guys to to get somewhere, so and then that leaves you at the end. You know, you got you got a dollar or two to spend on some other guys. But I feel like there's a bunch of guys out there I like at the end of the draft. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I really like Buxton, and we'll see how high he goes. And I mean, Otani is worth everything to spend on him if he can have another good year. And you got Vladimir Guerrero and. I mean, certain guys that are going to go for that, you know, close to $50. So do you spend you know, a, a quarter, 20% of your money on one guy? So I might I might try that this year. Do, do you really go balls to the wall and, like, get three tip-top guys and have, like, $100 left for 22 guys? You know, do you really go nuts? So we will see what happens. All right. Best of luck with that. Enjoy opening weekend. Uh, baseball is here. Enjoy the Masters, and uh, we will talk to you next week, my friend. All right. Baseball is here. I'm happy about it, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Travis. All right. We'll see you. Travis Crins joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, great stuff there. Um, so there you have it. Our baseball season preview. We talked a lot about the, the Kansas Jayhawks winning the national championship, South Carolina, the Jackrabbit women winning the WNIT. And we will continue to talk about the WNIT with Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. He will join us here in just a moment uh, to talk more about that and SDSU basketball. That's coming up here next on the Sports Block Podcast, which is available on podcast.com as well as iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stack and Travis on, tr- on Twitter at Travis Grins, Facebook, Nathan Stack, and a link to to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, though, Jackrabbit Women win the WNIT. Get more thoughts from Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes.
All right, we continue here on the Sports Block podcast, and the uh, Jackrabbit women have won the WNIT, and who better to discuss that with than the guy who saw the whole run through this tournament from the Argus leader, Matt Zimmer. Matt, how are we doing? Uh, pretty good. Good. I, I, pretty uh, excited to finally be done with basketball. Yes, <laughs> yes and you're kind of entering the semi-off season here, I, I would guess. Uh, you have some you know, spring football still to, to, ha- uh, to go to, but... Um, what a what a magnificent run for the SDSU women, winning the WNIT. All six games were at home at Frost Arena. Attendance kept climbing with each and every game. What's your overall takeaway from this tournament and the accomplishment that the Jackrabbit women just did? Uh, I think more than anything, it showed me just how nuts Jackrabbit fans are. <laughs> nuts in and a good I way, right? <laughs> as, a, as a positive, you know, because... Uh, once they didn't get into the NCAA tournament, you know, you kind of figured, okay, an NIT bid is coming, and they'll probably get some home games. They always have in the past. Um, I'll be honest, I never really thought, you know, like, oh, I wonder if they can win this tournament, because honestly, I didn't really care. I mean, I was just kind of thinking, like, okay, they're going to play a few more games, and that'll be a good way to, you know, let the, the seniors or whatever, you know, play at Frost one more time or a couple more times or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because they've been in the NIT before, and I think – you know, every South Dakota State team that's been in the NIT was probably good enough to win it, you know, because they never were one of those teams that got in there at 18 and 17 or something, you know. So you always know in the back of your mind they can make a run like that. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it just kept building on itself. And as the crowds grew, you know, early on in the run, I was kind of like, you know, what is what is this? What is going on? Um, but the, the deeper they got, the more it kind of was like, you know, this is – this is actually pretty cool. And I, and I do think part of it was, you know, I think SDSU fans take pride in what they do. Um, mm-hmm. They take pride in their team and their school, and I think they want to show everyone how much they support their teams. And I think the fact that, you know, USD went to the NIT and won it in 2016 and played yep. in front of these enormous crowds, mm-hmm. and that USD went to the Sweet 16 this year, I'm not saying Jacks fans are like trying to one-up USD fans or anything like that, but I do think they're kind of like, hey, you know, Let's show how much we care about our team. Let's show how much we can get enthused about this thing. And like you said, it just kept building on itself. And by the, you know, maybe the quarterfinals or the semifinals, it kind of started to feel like, wow, it'll be a surprise if they don't win this thing and and host all the way through. And by the time it ended that way, it was not at all surprising. Right. Well, and you talk, it's kind of like the mirror imaging with, you know, USD having a WNIT title. I believe that year they defeated Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, They made it to the Sweet 16 this year. SDSU made it a few years back, losing to Oregon. So they're they're really quite even-steven, so to speak. Uh And... Like that Alabama game in particular, SDSU gets by Ohio and Minnesota and Drake with relative ease. And that Alabama game, it certainly looked like it was going to be a repeat of everything that we had seen in the first three games. And then Alabama comes out, outscores them 34-12 to in the third quarter. And it just was a game of runs. Like SDSU responded in the fourth quarter with a big run. In ter- not in terms of like greatest games, but certainly in terms of like excitement and just the momentum shifting. Can you remember a game where there were so many momentum shifts and big runs like that in a game? I mean, I'm sure I've seen some of them. They all kind of you know run together, yep. especially a program like this one that has so much success and has had so many big wins. And and the few losses they've had have usually been crushing ones because the expectations are always so high. Uh, but I agree with you. That's that's the game. You know, if you look 
at that sixth game run, that's the one that you kind of circle and say that was the good one. Um, you know, the UCLA game I thought was really good. I thought UCLA really wanted to win that tournament. They played really yes. hard. Yep. Um, but, but Alabama was the team I thought that, you know, really responded the best to the environment, that played the hardest. Uh, obviously, that came the closest to winning. When they had dominated that third quarter, it was like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, this seems, this seems good. How did they not play better in the SEC this year? And, um, the other thing that was impressive about Alabama was I thought they were, of all the teams that the Jacks hosted throughout that run, they were the one that responded to the fans the best, I thought. You know, they you could tell early in the game the Alabama players were kind of like, holy cow, what what is this? South Dakota, all these people. But they, rather than, you know, shrinking under that pressure, they seemed to thrive on it. They seemed to say like, hey, this is fun. You know, yeah. we got a game here, and that's what led to that super exciting third, third and fourth quarters and those momentum swings that you talked about. Because then you can go to the championship game, and I thought it was the exact opposite. I, I felt like Seton Hall came out and just completely wilted under the pressure. Like they, I certainly don't want to say they didn't want to be there because they wouldn't have made it that far if they didn't want to. But mm-hmm. but the way that the the crowd overwhelmed them, and that game was over five minutes into the game. Yes. I mean, that just, you know, a lot of people can complain about, well, the, you know, a tournament, the, it should be at a neutral site or whatever. I get it because <laughs> the fans were clearly an advantage for the Jacks, clearly the six man or whatever you want to talk about it, but mm-hmm. they earned it. And that's what, made, that's what made the NIT fun. I mean, we all know if those games were played on neutral sites, they'd be played in front of 200 people, yep. and that's not any good for anybody. No, it, it isn't. And to, to counter that point that those people would make, I mean, Seton Hall did go into Murfreesboro and beat Middle Tennessee State in front of a packed house, so it's not like they weren't, or right. it, it was a sizable crowd there. Uh, but this was, I think, the second largest crowd they played in front of all season uh, at Frost. So, yeah, the, you know, when the threes keep hitting like that, like the way SDSU was able to go uh, right away, it was... Uh, pretty awesome to watch and you kind of knew that it was it was a done deal early on it was just a matter of get to the end of the game uh with these six games now like who do you think benefits the most heading into next season from the Jackrabbits in terms of player development I mean could it be like a Haley Timmer I mean Haley was great throughout the throughout the WNIT is there someone else that you think uh really use these six games to springboard themselves into next season uh, and can use that momentum to take that next step? Well, I think Haley's the obvious answer uh, just because, you know, she was incredible. I mean, I think she was averaging seven points a game or something like that going into the tournament, and she averaged, what, 17, 18 Mm -hmm. during the tournament. I mean, she was arguably their best player. And, uh, you know, she was very promising all throughout her freshman year. I think it was a good move by Aaron Johnston to say, okay, hey, it's the WNIT. Not that we don't care about it, but, you know, good time to try this. Let's see what happens, you know. And he throws her into the starting lineup, and the impact she made was immediate. And uh, it wasn't just, you know, her production, the 17, 18 points a game, whatever it was. It was, as you know, if you watched, it was the the, the kind of plays that she was making and the poise that she played with and the thing that everyone – was talking about throughout the tournament, whether it was in the post-game press conferences or just people talking about it on Twitter or the TV guys during the games, is just how unaffected she was. You know, she's a true freshman um, who I, I made the comment. It's like she doesn't even know she's playing Division One basketball. Yep. You know, I mean, she's just out there taking these huge, important shots. You know, you know, crucial, pressure-packed moments that those, those get to a lot of players. You know, mm-hmm. and and she just looked 
completely unaffected by any of it, you know, was not afraid to step up when she needed to, never felt like, you know, oh, I, I got to let Maya Selen take this shot. You know, I mean, when she needed to do it, she did it, and she kept coming through. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's early. I hesitate to, after six really good games like that, you know, elevate her to, you know, Maya Selen, Macy Miller, that, that sort of status just yet. But, I yep. mean, obviously when you produce like that as a true freshman um, in, in an environment where the stakes are that high, I mean, that sure would seem to indicate that you got a pretty bright future. And, the, and then on top of that, you know, you've got one more year of Maya Selen. Yes. And she's, you know, she was never fully healthy this year. If she can knock on wood, finally have a year where she's not affected by the injury bug. I mean, I think it goes without saying that, especially with the three players that moved on from South Dakota, that she'll be the best player in the conference next yep. year. Yep. And, you know, Corey Nelson's coming back. You hopefully get a healthy Paige Meyer back. You know, who was obviously a, an impact point guard as a freshman this year, mm-hmm. and then the other player. I think you, you know you mentioned just player development and improvement. You know, when you see what Callie Tyson did yep. uh, in this tournament, and particularly the championship game. I mean, sixteen points, eleven rebounds in like what fifteen minutes. I mean, yeah. she gives them a. a she doesn't necessarily have that six two, six three, six four size, but she plays so big down there. Um, they really ha- are going to have a pretty loaded roster coming back. Oh, absolutely. I think they're the prohibitive favorites next year, just given all the, the changes and upheaval that USD has. I mean, with Don leaving yeah. for West Virginia, and I'll, I'll admit, when I saw that news, I was stunned because I heard rumors like maybe she was going to Illinois or, you know, I would have thought maybe some other school, maybe around the region. West Virginia is kind of like a way out of left field move here did this surprise a lot of people around the area i don't think so just because i mean don has been so successful um and you know the demand for successful female coaches in the women's game is so high right now mm-hmm. i mean i was almost surprised she wasn't gone after last year or the year before she's done incredible work there and it's not just the winning that she's done i mean the way she's recruited against south dakota state uh, just her personality she's a likable coach she does great in the community all those sorts of th- i mean she checks all the boxes i think she just ended up at west virginia because that was the the power five school that was open you know by the time their run was over there weren't that many jobs left mm-hmm. um and you know i i'm sure some usd fans kind of look at it as like well geez i was hoping if she was going to leave it would be for something you know more attractive or like you said closer closer to home or whatever but you know that's a that's a power five job that's yes, a big 12 job and she's you know going to be making half a million bucks a year and and that's also a program that's been successful you know i mean they, they had a pretty average season this year but i think they've been to the tournament seven eight times in the last 10 12 years so that's a good move for her and uh, like you said you talk about her moving on and just, then just those big three seniors graduating from usd I think the Jacks are pretty obviously going to be the favorites next year. Although I will say, even with a, a new coach and a completely revamped roster, USD will probably be the second best team in the league. Yes, just because that's you know how far those two have separated themselves from everyone else. Yes, absolutely agree. Uh, and hey, you know what? Don can now share a, a office with Huggy Bear with Bob Huggins in West Virginia now. Maybe. Well, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to see if Huggy Bear has any interest in uh, AJ Plitzewite because. Uh, you know, the part of the thinking was that Don was going to stick around there as mm-hmm. long as AJ was there, or vice versa. And now with all the upheaval in the men's program at USD, who knows? I mean, I'm not trying to scare Coyote fans because AJ at the moment is like the one player they're still clinging to, but yep. wouldn't surprise me. Uh, well, maybe we could give some USD fans some, some good news here. Maybe. I just spitball in here. But Noah Friedel has uh, left SDSU. Do you think... He- 
I thought USD was the obvious landing spot for him, and I don't know if that's the case or not, but do you, you know, reading through the tea leaves, or do you have any thoughts on where he might end up? I don't think that's where he's going to go. Um, it could happen. Uh, I asked Eric Henderson if, if he thought, or like if, uh, if there were any rules in, in the Summit League that they could block a move within the conference. And he said, no, and even if there were, I wouldn't do it. Um, but I just think with everything Noah has uh, gone through personally, that just seems like inviting a lot of issues. You know, mm-hmm. Not saying that, that Noah's bound to have more problems or anything like that, but just he's had so much on his plate emotionally and mentally the last couple of years being in that environment where you got that rivalry and you're potentially having, you know, fans taunting you and playing against your former teammates and, and all the distractions that would come along with it. I feel like that's a bad fit. And uh, I have no idea if Eric Peterson would be interested in taking him. I mean, he's a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really hard. To, to, it's just hard for me to envision that. I do know I've been told that there are division one offers out there for Noah. It's not like it's USD or bust or, or Augustana or USF or somewhere around here. I've, I've heard there are power five schools who have, who have reached out. Now that doesn't mean they've made offers yet, but there's a lot of interest out there. So it's, it'll be really interesting to see where he ends up. I do think he's going to take his time because again, with everything he's been through both on and off the court, mm-hmm. I think it would make sense for him and the people around him to say, let's make sure we take our time here and make sure we find the absolute perfect fit uh, for so that it can be whatever's best for Noah in his growth both as a player and a person, obviously. Absolutely. And uh, just while we're on the topic of the men here, do you foresee Baylor Shireman coming back to SDSU? We know he's testing the, the draft waters and whatnot. I would think he would be coming back. He's saying he's retaining that eligibility. Uh-huh. But do you foresee... Do you foresee him staying in the NBA draft, or will he come back for another year? I mean, I only see that happening if someone tells him, we think you're a first-round pick. And if that does happen, why would you come back? Right. You know? yep. um, and, and I certainly don't, you know, I'm no NBA scout. I have no idea. That would surprise me, um, just given that, you know, he's kind of a little bit of a, I don't want to say late bloomer, but he only recently kind of got onto the radar at that level. You know, um, I can see why NBA teams like it. You know, I mean, we always talked about Mike Dom's NBA potential because of just, he was such a volume scorer and, and got so much attention, but Mike was always going to be fighting that uphill battle because he's undersized for a big at the mm-hmm. NBA level, you know, well, Baylor's not, you know, he's yep. six, six, he's got NBA size for the guard position. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him have an NBA career, but I think right now my guess is the feedback he's going to get is, hey, you're a you know late second-round pick at best, at which point it probably makes more sense to go back to school for another year. And then he can basically go through the whole process all over again because yeah. with the COVID year, he still has two years of eligibility. He's technically a sophomore. Mm-hmm. So he, he can go back to SDSU, play another year, and then after that, decide, okay, I want to try the NBA waters again. Or he could also say, I've given SDSU four years at this point. Now it's time for me to try something else. And he could then grad transfer to a Power 5 school, which yep. would you know potentially improve his draft prospects. He could yep. um, go the Matt Mooney, Stanley and Mooney route and, and see what happens there. Yep. I agree. I would love to see him come back. And Jackrabbit fans, I know, would love to see him come back because I think SDSU's men are the prohibitive favorites next year, too. Uh-huh. Uh, just given all of the the transfers out of NDSU, I don't know if there's some problems 
there in, uh, within that program, but you have the majority of the team coming back. I would think that maybe SDSU would enter the would try and find a big in the transfer portal to replace Doug Wilson. Uh, but you were in Buffalo. You saw that game against Providence. I thought that SDSU had the best chance to beat Providence out of any of the teams there. I thought this was the best matchup. It looked that way early on. Then their offense went cold at the end of the the first half there. They made it a game down the stretch. There was a questionable foul down there. It was just once again, SDSU came up short. Uh, what do you think needs to be done for this team to take that next step and actually win a game in the NCAA tournament? Um, I think the biggest thing they can do is somehow, and this is much easier said than done, yep. um, create a more difficult non-conference schedule so that they get more respect from the committee when it's time to seed them. Because I thought they deserved better than a 13 seed Agreed. based on what they did this year. Yep. Um, I, you know, the, the thing that really hurt the Jacks was just the fact that everyone in the world picked them as a sleeper immediately. Yep. As soon as, as, soon as everyone was picking them as the bracket buster, I knew they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, because for a 13 to beat a four, obviously it happens all the time. It's yep. not uncommon for a 13 to beat a four, but for it to happen, there has to be some level of, you know, disrespect or overlooking them or, or surprise or something, you know, that, that four seed has to go into it already kind of looking ahead to their second round matchup or whatever. Mm-hmm. Providence was so, you know, beaten over the head with you guys are going to lose. You guys are going to get beat. Everyone, you know, that yep. I, I just felt like there was no way they were going to overlook the Jacks. And obviously Ed Cooley spent the entire week, you know, telling anyone who would listen that they were underdogs. Yep. And, uh, and, and when you, then you, when you factor in that Providence had what, five, six, seven seniors or something like that, that's the, you know, a team that has that much maturity and veteran experience. They're even less likely to overlook a team and come out and, and do something like that. And that's ultimately, I think what cost the Jacks. And so now that they lost again, and so they're now what, like 0 and 6, 0 and 5, something like that in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. The, the thing that sucks for the Jacks now is if they have another year next year, similar to what they just did, you know, 30 wins and undefeated in the Summit League, the committee again is going to look at them and go, yeah, okay, great. You're a 13. You're a 14. Because every year we put you in the tournament, you never beat anyone. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the only way that they're going to be able to improve their lot is either find a way to pull off one of these upsets, which again is going to be hard because people always like them, people know them, people pick them all the time. The only other thing I can see that they can do is say, all right, fine, we're going to schedule a bunch of Big Ten, Big 12 teams in our non-conference schedule, and maybe that means we go into the postseason at you know 24-9 and nine instead of 29-3, and three. Uh, but then hopefully maybe that gives you you know that higher net ranking, that higher strength of schedule, and, and maybe you get an 11 or a 12 instead of a 14. Yep, and playing Providence on uh, St. Patrick's Day probably didn't help matters. It's kind of <laughs> like uh, when St. Peter's played on National Peacock Day against Purdue in the Elite Eight. Like it, right. you're just you're tempting fate right there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully SDSU can. Uh, but I I think you know looking ahead towards next year, certainly the men and the women have a great chance here. And I know you are kind of looking forward to your off season. You uh, I, th- I believe are going to North Carolina, right? For an award show. <laughs> For getting oh, named? Yeah, you? possibly. We'll see. I have not yet made those travel arrangements. Okay. Still trying to work out the summer plans. But uh, I am heading to uh, Minneapolis on Saturday for the first Twins uh, series, hoping weather weather cooperates. That was the nice thing about the WNIT is it went so long that it basically I could get to go straight from 
college basketball season right into opening day for baseball. Oh, there you so go. Yeah, that share, worked out. Share Juicy Lucy with Carlos Correa and uh, enjoy it. But enjoy <laughs> the off season. Uh, c- congratulations on your upcoming wedding and congratulations again on the award. Um, very good at what you do, and I always appreciate the time that you give me here on the podcast. So uh, enjoy the off season, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat again once football arrives. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. Kind enough to spend some time with us here, and he's, he's great at what he does. Um, so, yeah, congratulations again to the SDSU women winning the WNIT. It was a fantastic uh, run that they went through with a beating Seton Hall 82-50. to 50, So, uh, awesome there. And, yeah, with all the upheaval and stuff, it's there's a lot going on. Uh, hopefully, Baylor will be back. And, yeah, but uh, congratulations to the University of Kansas men and the University of South Carolina women for winning the basketball, uh, the the men's and women's uh, college basketball national championship game. South Carolina beating UConn 64-49 in Kansas with that thrilling win, 72-69 to over UNC. So uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll get into football here with draft talk here, hopefully with, with Jeff Lloyd. A second from the Lockdown Browns podcast, uh, we'll preview some prospects. We'll talk about the baseball season as that uh, will be in the first week of that. So looking forward to that. We'll react to the Masters. Again, I'm picking Colin Morikawa to win, so we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this week's edition, all the basketball talk that we've had throughout the months. We love college basketball. We look forward to uh, talking about that again next season. Baseball, though, lots of baseball. Hopefully you enjoyed the baseball preview. Hopefully you uh, enjoyed listening to Matt Zimmer talking about the WNIT and Jackrabbit basketball. Uh, Again, follow him on Argus Leader, at ArgusMattZ on Twitter. And yeah, he does great work there. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, I'm Nathan Stacken saying thank you so much for listening. So for Travis and Matt, I'm Nathan. Thanks again for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Have a great week, everyone. Talk to you next week, Sports Block Podcast.